gather around everyone and let me tell you the story of the 291st episode of the fake nerd podcast where they discuss the story of the legendary space viking and also the eating banging and killing tour of harley quinzel and poison ivy Yay. i am sparks witty and i'm of course joined by ryan eliopoulos ah! all right and I- <laughs> And Ben Magnet. Uh, <laughs> get in a moment. I believe we should. I was going to say that I forgot to put my special wake-up juice in the fridge last night, so I have no wake-up juice, just regular water. So if I fall asleep, I apologize in advance. That's oh, the reason. There, there we go. And Brandon T. McClure. <laughs> Screaming goats get me every time. It's a, it's, It works or it doesn't, and it works for me. <laughs> it works for me, too. Hi guys, I'm here. Welcome. Off to a good start. Welcome to the love, the love, bang, kill, thunder tour. I'm glad to be here. We have links. If you have anything more to your intro, Sparks, I'm sorry, I might have derailed you. No, I don't. All right, well then we have links. I'll say the links first because we have a big announcement to say uh, before we get into the show. So let's do some links first. I'm gonna wait for people to pop into the live show if uh, if anybody is interested. Oh, oh, oh. Um, so Ryan, your YouTube channel is in the description still, but you didn't do anything on it, correct? Hot dog, no, I didn't. All right. Back to work. There are episodes on there. If you haven't checked it out, it's still linked below. So check that out. It's the unfortunate thing of, I started to play a game I really like on stream. So now I can't play it unless I stream. So I have to, I have to stream soon so I can play Final Fantasy because I'm I'm itching for it. That's how I feel about Aliens Fireteam, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, and, uh... My screen rant work is still linked below. And I did to get one thing published this week. I wrote more, but we ran out of room. Um, if there are a bunch of Love and Thunder stuff. It's coming out this week. So you can check out those pieces coming up this this coming week. Um, the one that was published, though, was um, Heavens to Betsy. What was it? Heavens you know what? Betsy. Surprise me. Uh, go go to the link and find it. And, and let me know what it is. I'm sure I'll, I'll be like, wow, cool. Thank you. I wrote that. I did write that. Did you guys see one of my one of my pieces was used to to fight a racist? Yeah, I did. About that. I did tweet about that. Okay. All right. Um, ben, what do you want to talk about first? Because you got you got um, you got a big thing, and then you got your Grayson Live stuff. Uh, let's go think? with Grayson. Let's go with Grayson Live first, because that's the more consistent thing. Um, number forty three and number forty four of your journey with Grayson Live and Super Mario three D World is yep. in the description. Yep. And, yep. And those are two episodes. Um, we were talking. It started off with me talking about the Final Fantasy concert I went to back in or back in May at this point, and then it just goes to us just talking about our first experiences with this with the game series in general and how as a kid when I first played the game I was an idiot I didn't read all the tutorial stuff and I didn't know how the sphere grid worked in Final Fantasy X and I got to a certain boss I just got stonewalled because I couldn't beat it to save my life. Mm. So yeah, that's there. That's enjoyable. That's and fun. you have a big thing. From Fusion Gaming Magazine, the purchase link is down below. Not for the magazine itself, but for like, like buy magazines and stuff. But you have a thing. Oh, you mean this little thing right here? I do Ooh. mean that little thing. Yeah, for audio listeners, it's uh, issue thirty-three, and it has. Let me just flip to the page that actually has my. There it is. It's my Elden Ring article that I wrote Ooh. months ago. For uh, for audio listeners, there is a uh, there is a beautiful two-page spread of Elden Ring. Oh, you want to know the best part? Sure. It's actually. A three-page spread. Ooh. 
Yeah. Um, essentially, the, the article that I wrote in Fusion is my um, is my reasoning of why Elden Ring is from software's magnum opus. Um, I believe I still hold on to the belief, even I, after I've been playing it for months, it's still the best game from software has ever made thus far. Um, I mean, you've heard me talk about it on the show. On well, you've probably seen me stream it. You've seen me talk about it on on the quarterly or the halfly episode of Ace Market Pause Man that we just put up recently. Elden Ring is great. It's still like my game of the year thus far. It's still a fantastic time. Every time I hop into that game, I'm over 158 plus hours into it. I'm getting, I'm getting inching closer and closer to 200. It's still a fantastic game. And yeah, this article just continues to sing the praises of why it's like, hey, this is why this game is great. And this is why the hype is real about it. That's exciting. Where can people where can people buy it? You can buy it on a fusionretrobooks.com. Um, if you go, the easiest way I found is to Google Fusion Gaming Magazine. The first link that'll pop up is the um, link to the page where you can has all the magazines um, that are available to purchase. Just a huge, just a little bit of a forewarning: this magazine is from the United Kingdom. So if you are here in America and you do want to purchase it, you can still purchase single issues, no problem. If you want to subscribe to it, there is a Patreon subscription, a Patreon subscription link that is on my Twitter. But the single issues, every time they have a new single issue out, it's on the website, so you can buy a single issue, and you're good to go. And that link, uh, you don't have to Google it; it is linked below. Yay! Um, cool, Ben. Very proud of you, sir. Congratulations. Woo! Yeah, I'm really because as, as you guys know, I'm going to Europe in two weeks, and uh, I get to go finally meet some of my coworker. I can now call them coworkers. It's still weird for me to call them my coworkers over at Fusion because I tweeted out I'm excited for my trip, and then it's like, hey, and then two of them said, hey, if you come to London, it's like, no, London is one of my destinations. I'm going to be there for a few days. Jelly, that sounds awesome, dude. No offense to my uh, compatriots at Screen Rant, I do not consider you guys coworkers. Um, all right. Take that, Screen Rant! <laughs> There's so many of them. I don't talk to any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I talked um, to I talked to a few of my of, my, of the people who work for Fusion because we're all part of a, of a Slack. Uh, do you guys know what Slack I'm, is? I'm familiar with Slack. We, yeah, yeah, we, used, we used Slack before we moved over to Discord. Okay. Yeah, we're yeah we're all on Slack. We're talking there. We're like, it's like we get notifications and, and we're like stuff about the magazine. So, yeah. Very cool. Great group um, of people. Cool. Sir, again, congratulations. Very proud of you. Uh, you have accomplished much this year. Um, there's a couple of episodes uh, from this channel. <gasps> for example, Fake Nerds Watch. There's two Fake Nerds Watch episodes that dropped this week. Um, one for Miss Marvel episode six and seven? Nope. No. That's more episodes than the show Damn. has. When three, does make it seven? Three and four. I three wish they four. seven episodes. Thank you, Sparks. Um, it's three and four. Um, you can check out what we think about those two episodes uh, up now, and the final episode of Miss Marvel will be next week, right? Late, yes. late next week, sometime. Yeah. So realistically, it'll probably release the week after. Yeah. Um, but yeah, only one more fake nerds watch from Miss Marvel, and then the show is done, and then we wait for She Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And of course, my second to last, my penultimate episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Two, uh, what I think, incredible episodes. Seven and eight? There we go. Seven and eight. Um, 
Yes, there's uh, there. Uh, you remember? You remind me of Ted when he was a professor. Uh, and he couldn't spell professor. Yeah. <laughs> he just turned and looked at the girl. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the girl just. Prof. Okay, so yes, uh, that that episode. I think two incredible episodes. One introduces an awesome new non-binary pirate uh, pirate captain. That I love them. Um, and uh, the the next one is a fun, uh, just just uh, alternate kind of body swap uh i don't it's hard to explain but like uh they it's not a spoiler to say that they uh they are possessed to think they are in a medieval book uh and it's it's a lot of fun there's some great character work yeah hilarious episode that is pretty, the second to last go ahead pretty hectic recording on that episode my yeah, bad. a little bit no it's okay i don't mind there was stuff happening in the environment mm -hmm. i'm really glad that i got to do it with you uh in general because i'm glad you like the show did you watch the the very end of the episode yet? Which oh no, I didn't. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Um, so there was a long bit where Brandon was just by himself because I was had to deal with something. Mm -hmm. You didn't and, put that uh, in. And during one little snippet, Brandon was playing around with something and I put it right at the end of the episode. So everyone should check out the post credits of the latest Straight Two World Sector to watch post where Brandon's scenes. just by himself goofing around. <laughs> Jesus. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you're wonderful um so that's going to be the penultimate episode of of the star trek strange new worlds and potentially of the, my star trek fake nerds watch uh we'll see what happens when lower deck season three comes around um i would like to do one but you know schedules are hectic and so it might not be possible um and i'm very 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 excited to talk about the final two episodes on that show then finally our basement arcade your basement arcade quarterly has premiered yes the pause yeah. menu quarterly yes you want to talk a bit about that video games video games video games yes now this we is going to be about... a show that you want to do like you do want to do this quarterly even though you waited for yes we year. do yeah uh, every three months or so yeah we, we can yeah yeah we're we're talking about uh games that left an impact on us in the first six months of the year um it was a really good discussion it was uh, yeah, Ryan, Ryan and I regularly listen to Waypoint, and we were both, I think, craving an opportunity to talk more about things we were playing in that kind of capacity. And this is, this was like the, here's an avenue where we might be able to do that. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so stay tuned for more episodes for that. But yes, yeah, so you can check out the, cur the first one, uh, linked below, both audio and video. Nice. Uh, I was on top of it with the audio this week. Ooh. I have been late the past two weeks. Okay. That's all the links in the description, but I'm not done talking, and I apologize for that, because we have a big announcement to say before we get into our weeks. We have been trying for, gods, two years now to bring back our good friend, Mike Patola, to do a trivia challenge. Um, it, 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 has, it has been uh, tough. Schedules are hectic, as I, as I said about my Stranger Worlds thing, uh, but we finally had an opening. And this coming Sunday will be the grand return of our good friend Mike Vitola and his Mike's Impossible Movie Trivia Challenge uh, game. Woo! Uh, if you guys, if you guys are familiar with our show, longtime listeners, I'm sure will remember that we've done this a few times. We 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 have a great time whenever he comes on the show, and he, if you don't know who he is, he writes out movie scripts and 
album cover and album uh, lyrics and uh, all sorts of things uh, to make a poster of it. We, we, I think at this point we all have one. Nope. Yes. No. I think I gave mine away. Oh, you have a Bowie one? Oh well, no. I bought. I thought no. Like I bought my own. I didn't oh. win. I win one. Right. Yeah. Um, and he uh, and so and he'll for us he'll make a game out of it. He'll mm-hmm. he'll he'll kind of uh, uh, parse through the movie uh, and find like very. Uh, I'll never forgive myself for how many barks Zero does at the end of the movie. <laughs> you uh, you gave you won Back to the Future, right? Is that true? I don't remember at this point. I, just, I think you gave it to Ben. I think I don't know. Yeah. Ben, yeah don't you have I, Back to the Future one? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, have, I have the Back to the Future one. But, you yeah, didn't but you're win. right. Ryan no, won I didn't it. win it. Ryan won it, but he gave it to me because he knows how much I love that movie. That's because I'm the heart of the show, Mike. You know, you're the heart, Mike. Ryan. The heart. Right. Mm. I just realized this Mike Matola is also his name. I'm just referencing Stranger Things and how right, Mike is right. in the spoilers for Stranger Things. <laughs> that, that, that was a double layer Mike. Double layer Mike. <laughs> that episode's coming. That episode's coming soon. Um, so yes, so so and he creates a game for us, and it, it changes every single time. He 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 changes the game every single time, which is a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Um, and we finally so in, in lieu, this is going to be in lieu of an episode. So two ninety two will be pushed to the next week, um, and in its place will be Mike's Impossible Movie Trivia Challenge, and it will be How to Train Your Dragon. I get to watch a good movie again. That's nice. It's always wonderful when it comes on because you're like, wow, I get to watch a good movie. Yeah, he should pick uh, like the worst movie ever made at one point. That'd be great because then you have to be, like forced to pay attention to the, all the worst details. The room. I'm, no, I was thinking something like like actually bad. Like actually bad. Like yeah, the RoboCop yeah. remake. Um, I mean it's it's not great. I'm talking something like bad, like yeah. like I don't like. What's like like one of the Hobbit tr- movies, like like the like the third Hobbit movie. We're like, I just never want to watch it again ever. Don't <laughs> make fair. me do it. Come on. I like the first Hobbit movie quite a bit actually. I, I don't remember those movies. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be How to Train a Dragon. So if you want to play along, you're welcome to. Uh, it, it we will let you know as it gets closer if we're going to do it as a live show, if we're going to do it uh, as just an episode that is going to drop. But at any rate, uh, we do encourage people to play along. So yes, Mike's Impossible Movie Trivia Challenge is returning this Sunday. How to Train a Dragon. Uh, stay tuned. We're all very excited. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, I, yeah, I'm super stoked. I'm glad we finally we finally get to do this. Toothless V podcast. Okay. Who wants to go first that week? I will. I will go after Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I only there are only two major things I want to talk about that I did this week that I mean they're not really nerd related. Um I mean obviously I watch Stranger Things, I watch the boys, but we talked about that in their own uh FNWs. Uh the first thing I want to talk about is it's sports related. Um, this week was the first time I went to Dodger Stadium since uh, March of 2020. My last attended, the last Dodger game I attended was the day before spring training was canceled and everything was put into lockdown in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. That was the last time I went to a baseball game. I was in Arizona for their spring training game. And this past Wednesday, I took my girlfriend Fanny to Dodger Stadium because it was Hello Kitty night. And I joke that that's the only way I was able to get her to a baseball game because they are giving away a free Hello Kitty Dodgers towel. Mm. So I see it as a win-win. She gets her Hello Kitty stuff. I get my baseball game. So it was. Oh, is that the towel she's wearing in your picture? Yeah. Got it. Okay. I was wondering about that. Yeah. So it was 
it was just great going back to Dodger Stadium. I haven't been since they uh, remodeled the park. Um, it's great that you can now finally walk around the entire stadium. You don't have to go through different en- entrances and just take the long way back around to your seat. Um, it was just great being back. I miss going to the, I miss going to seeing a live baseball game, and it was fun. Best part, Dodgers won. It was a fun time, and oh, I and was the yelling. Dodgers. The Dodgers are not the team you're rooting for, right? Correct. Uh, Ben's favorite team is the Giants, Brandon. Right, right, right. Listen, we got new listeners. You got to keep the lore up on the podcast. We do. Know? That's why we keep bringing up the Stephen King thing. Anti-monitor still on that hill. Stephen, Stephen King's favorite team is also the Giants, and that's why Ben is. You're right. That, that's that's hero. Bringing it all, bringing it all around. Now we're <laughs> connecting lore. So you know. I thought Stephen King was from New England. Isn't what yeah, his favorite team nice. be the Red Sox? That doesn't change the fact that he thinks that the San Francisco Giants are the best doesn't matter where you're from there's a really funny joke can i real quickly tell you a really funny joke from um uh the orville this season yeah sure um there's a bit when they're having dinner and the, it's a time travel episode so they're in 2015 no 2025 um and th- they go back to 2015 later but like uh and they're talking to this person and and they have this cover where they're from boston and right boston's where the red sox are from yes boston. okay and and so that and so the person asking oh so you're boston so you're from boston you must love you must love the red sox and they look at each other. It's it's a uh, Hayden Pettit, not Hayden Pettinger. Who's who's Kelly Grayson, Mockingbird, Adrian Palicki, Adrian Palicki, uh, and Seth MacFarlane. They look at each other like, uh, and it's and it's a good like two minute look where they're just like, yeah, who wouldn't love socks? They keep your feet warm. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. That's good. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Dodgers, Dodgers won, still in first place, woohoo! Um, and the other thing I did, or the other thing that happened yesterday, is one of my oldest friends from high school got married. So I was at her wedding yesterday, and it was really good. It was really nice. Love. I like yeah. your, I like your tie. That's your space, space Invader tie, right? Yeah, it's my little Space Invader do tie. I got that out of Loot Crate years ago, and out of all the things of Loot Crate, that's the one of the things that I've gotten that it's still in. Not in constant use, but every time I wear it, I always feel it's like I get a chance to wear my Space Invader tie. This is awesome. I have my loot crate. You gave it to me, my Captain America shield, somewhere around here. Oh, here it is. Yeah, I still have this from Loot Crate. Yes, you bring that to weddings. Uh, watch me, <laughs> like hang it on a pocket. Yeah, right like... I mean, you might be able to if you get a strong enough magnet. But anyways, um, yeah, pretty much. Major big things I did this week was went to a Dodger game, saw my friend get married. That's about it. Right. Um, I returned to the workforce this week, so uh, a lot of my energy uh, was there. And then when I got home, I wasn't feeling like engaging in anything really. So I didn't, I didn't do anything besides the shows that we watch for fake nerds watch. So I watched The Boys, I watched Miss Marvel. Uh, we talked about Stranger Things. Um, I spent a lot of time on YouTube. Um, and so like most of this week, I spent watching. There's a YouTuber named Jesse Cox, and I like him. I don't normally watch his solo content, but he does have a group, uh, a group uh, uh, video thing that is called Scary Game Squad. And Scary Game Squad is a bunch of YouTubers coming together. Gerard the Completionist, Ben, who you know, uh, mm-hmm. Alex Falcioni from Epic Beer Bros. A bunch of people come together and they play scary games together. And a lot of these games are the games that uh, I make Ben play. It is one way of me finding new games for Ben to to be uh, subject to later in, in the in the year. Uh, but I wanted to highlight them because they've been the Scary Game Squad for 
eight years at this point. They've been on YouTube for so long. So like every single scary game you'd want someone to play, they played. So I spent a lot of this week watching people, watching them play the Resident Evil games, uh, a Silent Hill game, a game called Layers of Fear, which is maybe the scariest game ever made. And Ben, I'm going to make you play it. And you're going to, this one, I've said it before, but this one, you're going to suffer. This one's awful. This one's, <laughs> man, like it got a reputation for a raise. And I'm like, oh, I'm so excited I watched this. Because like if she can scare me, that's what I know is the real deal. Um, so it's just wanna... sitting there going like, mother, how can I quit? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, there's one section where I'm like, oh, this is this is the good stuff. October. Can I take a month long vacation in October. See, that's you should have went to Europe in October. You should have saved yourself the the horror. But um, we would have just made yeah. it recorded early in September. That's that's how we get you scheduling, baby. Uh, so I spent a lot of this week watching other people play video games, which isn't something I often always do. But for scary games and like a group of five people. And like they collectively like scream at the same time. Like that's really fun. It's like you know being at like a movie theater watching a horror movie. So uh, I spend a lot of time in other people's televisions. Very cool. Sparks, you want to go next? Uh, I watched many Marvel movies, but I got three things in specifics. I'm going to talk to you about. Number one is Baymax. That show is out. Mm-hmm. I watched more episodes. Specifically, I watched the episode that all of Twitter couldn't stop talking about because that's oh, yeah. a great episode of television. It's just really nice. It's just really nice to watch Baymax walk people through and be like, periods are a biological normal thing and not something to be ashamed of. And it's like, dang, Disney, this is really nice. Look at that. Thanks for making good, approachable. We should all be able to talk about periods without getting weird content. Absolutely. It's a thing that that a lot of people deal with, and it's just like, we just ignore it. Some men don't know anything about it. Into their 40s and 50s. Yeah, more <laughs> than like, half the population, regardless of gender, have it. Yeah, go through it. Yeah, uh, it's something we can't just ignore because, again, it comes to situations where like men don't even know what a period is or what it does in way late into their life. And I'm like, y'all, that's just that's just a part of your body. You just deal with it. You got to know. Don't be icked out. The, yeah. the the whole discussion around that episode has been so disgusting. Uh, well, not see. all of it. Not all of it. No, sorry. A lot of it is- I, I, the bat all the bad apples doing it well yeah of course um but like there's a lot of praise rightly being lobbed at that episode and it should be um for those that haven't been part of that discourse it's very prominent that there is a there's a part where baymax is trying to find the right uh the right supplies um for the girl and he asks for advice in the aisle and all of these people start chiming in and one of them's a transgender person and that's really nice uh, and they make it very blatant that that is who that is and and that they have an opinion on this. And I'm like, well, that's that's great, guys. A plus. Um, yeah, I'm just really happy with it. I'm really happy with that Baymax series. Um, the the animation's great because it looks exactly like Big Hero 6 because it's the same team uh, from the film animation studio. So highly recommend checking those out. I still got two. Um, I've only done two and two, but uh, really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. The next thing... I'm sure Brandon and I can share in talking about because we both watched Assembled uh, yes. from Multiverse of Madness. I watched half of it with you. That's true. Yeah. You did watch from, like, the, the, from the back. The back. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing about this right from the jump is that Bruce Campbell hosts it. Me too. That's when I knew I was in for a good time because I was like, oh, we're doing something different. Cool. I'm excited yeah. now. Yeah. It, they, they definitely like went a different way with this one, which was really nice. Like a hall of mirrors. Honestly, like it's my favorite one so far. Like it's not just, not just the Bruce Campbell thing, but how in depth they go with like Sam Raimi's relationship with Bruce Campbell is like a section of the documentary. Um, uh, the Oldsmobile, uh, it gets a, it gets a good, gets even like a good section. It shows up a lot in that movie, apparently. 
and they they talk a lot about like the practicals because yeah. there are so many practicals and how insistent Raimi was that there's practicals one of the reasons why multiverse of madness is one of the better looking films um and that where certain things came to be because of covid constraints mm -hmm. and because of the way they had to make things and and that they really made it work for them uh like it, what would be a weakness they made their strength yeah even michael waldron, michael waldron was talking about like he had three weeks to write the script and then the pandemic hit and they threw that script out and they had months to write a new script yeah and like it, blessing, it sounds like um i what what, what, what? do they bring put in the bloopers with uh elizabeth olsen going we that's a different that's a well, different that's, thing that's part of the bloopers Okay. Uh, the assembled episodes are not bloopers; they are just uh, um, the making of the making of okay. documentary. And it's it. Normally, I really like them anyway, except for the, except for the I've talked about. I just don't like the Loki one. But like this one was really unique and really showed how much I think. And I think people will be surprised to see how much of that movie is actually Sam Raimi's, um, because there's been a lot of talk about how it how the movie like like kind of neuters Sam Raimi, but he's like very enthusiastic about, about the movie in a way that I haven't seen him be enthusiastic for in a while, quite honestly. I, I honestly, like, if you've seen Sam Raimi's work and then you see Doctor Strange, I don't see how you say, oh, that's Sam Raimi. That's not Sam Raimi's movie. That is clearly Sam Raimi's movie. Yeah. Uh, like, obviously it's a Marvel movie, but like his shit is all over that movie. Like, you're, you're not telling me the dude who made De Evil Dead made this movie. Give me a break. Come on. Yeah, and even like, them being haters against Marvel for no reason. That one, that is a Sam Raimi-ass movie. Give me a break. And you even get, like, Kevin Feige talks about how excited he is to have to have Sam Raimi. He's like, I started on Spider-Man, and, and now I get to work with him again, and, like, so close yeah. together with him. And, like, he's so excited to, like, be making a Sam Raimi Doctor Strange movie. It's yeah. a really wonderful documentary that I highly, highly recommend. Uh, uh, Sparks, you brought up when we're watching it, like how crazy it's how crazy it that like the images of like Evil Dead are showing up on the Disney Channel right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the behind the scenes. I'm like, man, that's I love it. It's so cool. Uh, I think the one minor spoilers for the next like 45 seconds uh, for Multiverse of Madness. The one one thing I thought was a nice nugget is Michael Waldron talking about like when he came in, the original version of the script was going to turn Wanda into a villain at the very end of the film. Mm -hmm. and so like the film was going to be a progressional story of her mm -hmm. which makes wandavision's ending make way more sense yeah but they decided that that made little sense like wanda wasn't really there for except for that purpose of the ending they're like why not just have the villain be the villain in this movie yeah um probably stronger choice overall which i think like I, i've i've you know in our multiverse of madness review i've gone on record of saying like i think that that story works i think where where the failing happens is that wandavision did not properly prepare that story yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that the that the all in all the documentary is just a, a, a very very good time. Uh, and even if you even you know what, no, you know what, I'll take that back. If you didn't like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, you don't deserve this documentary. But if you do like <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, you should definitely check out this documentary. Okay, it's like there's like a did you like the movie? Yes or no? And if you hit no, X not allowed. Yeah. Exactly. I'm saying I'm saying it. Sometimes I'll be like, if you didn't like this thing, maybe check out the documentary. But no, you don't deserve this one. Because it just reinforces all the stuff you probably hate about the movie, which is all the goofy stuff. Yeah, and quite honestly, like it reinforces everything I liked about the movie. Which how, how much man watching the nightmare, the nightmare dimension, uh, and you see like the the car, the, how many practical cars were actually floating in the in the sky with like rigs, and they mm -hmm. built a, a new a new New York backdrop backdrop for Marvel that just is just that there now. Yes, this was that was part of what I was talking about with the COVID weakness becoming a strength. 
Yeah. Because they were originally going to fly to where they had New York stand-ins for like Avengers and everything. Mm -hmm. They were going to use that same area, but they couldn't because they were filming in London and they could not travel because of COVID. London. So they had to build the New York back lot. Um, money, money, uh, money. They did a good job. Um, yeah. it, that's a cool part. That's a cool part of that documentary. Okay. So the last thing I'll talk about is have you all heard of an anime called Spy Family? Mm -hmm. Yes, I no. have. Yeah, it's one of the hottest anime right now. Do you know the premise of Spy Family? Mm -hmm. Great. Yep, these two people adopt a girl to keep up with appearances, and they find out the girl's a telepath. It's the... Oh, Ben, that's too simplistic. Okay, so he is a spy from the West, and he's on mm -hmm. a mission to get at a target in the East, and he has to get a girl into the same school as his target so he can get to know the target. But he has to find the girl, so he adopts the girl. The girl comes first, and yes... She is a telepath, a six-year-old telepath. So she knows he's a spy. He does not know she's a telepath. And then he has to find someone to stand in for her mom. Well, he finds a lady who uh, is nervous about the secret police arresting her because you are suspicious if you're single at a certain age in the country. That's just what it is. And so she's uh, amicable to doing this whole deal and getting some cover for herself but the thing is she's actually an assassin and so only the little girl knows that they're both these things and that they're living in this house and they're falling for each other and the little girl has to just process all this information and she wants to make her new adoptive dad proud so she's trying to do the spy missions for him but she's also six and not good at it so it's it's really good believe the hype it's very good i'm very glad i'm watching it sounds exciting that's it. Right. I'm gonna. It just it's like it's like season one, right? So um, season one is 25 episodes, but they cut the season in half. So the first 12 are out, and the rest have not mm -hmm. released yet, and will release later this year. So we we're jumping in on that first 12. I'm all up on it. Uh, real quickly before I start my week, I just want to say, Sparks, you are in the exact perfect position to block out all of Chris Hemsworth. Um, and uh, uh, Ryan, you are in the perfect position to have a mustache on your head. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jane. Um, right. So my week, um, I uh, I watched Thor movies. I watched just the first three Thor movies. Um, As opposed I, to the first five Thor movies? Yeah, I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, Thor, Thor the Dark World, Thor Ragnarok. I've spoken about them plenty. I just want to say, I never noticed how much ass is featured in the Thor movies specifically. And like, so the first film has like, you know, in the doctor's office, they like like stick his butt with a with a thing, and his butt jiggles, and he hits the thing. And like, it's not like a full ass shot; it's like a like a like a partial ass shot. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then Thor: The Dark World has Selvig running around naked. Admittedly, it's blurred, but he's just like running around naked. I'm like, oh. And then Thor: Ragnarok has Hulk's bare ass. And then Thor: Love and Thunder, we'll talk about it, has has Thor's bare ass. I'm like, the Thor movies have a, have a lot of bare ass in them. Someone's mm -hmm. got to someone's got to do it. Specifically, like it's just the Thor movies. No one else does it. Well, see, you have America's ass, but like you, you cover that bad boy. So yeah, like, but yeah. America's ass wasn't a thing until. Well, I guess it was always technically a thing, but it wasn't it's, pointed it's out. Always to us America's ass. It wasn't pointed out to us until Endgame. There you go. Yeah, it's always been there. Anyway, I just thought it was a really funny uh, observation that I I noticed this time around. Um, I I watched. Uh, I watched a uh, uh, Star Trek Five. The Final Frontier. It's a bad movie. Um, it's a really bad movie. 
but it's got really good character interactions, and I like watching it for that reason. For those of you who don't know, it's the one that introduces Cybok. Um, good old the that, Cybok. The one that William Shatner directed. It's a terrible movie. But the interactions between really all the characters, but mostly Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, uh, are delightful. And there's this one scene that McCoy... There's been a little bit of chatter about it online. But there's this one scene where McCoy is like... Like, Cybok is trying to take away McCoy's pain, but his pain is the fact that he helped his dad die before there was a cure for the illness that was killing him. And McCoy uh, has this thing where he has the scene, which I think is delightful. Not delightful in that way. But it's a really good, well, it's a really well-acted scene where McCoy is, like, essentially killing his father and, like, saying goodbye to his ailing dad. And it's really touching and a surprising scene that stayed in this really bad movie. Hey, even even poop, poop nuggets can have little pieces of diamond in it sometimes. That's true. If you're That's pooping diamonds, analogy, go, see a, go see a, a doctor. Anyway. Hey, diamond's uh, expensive, man. Um, yeah, but if you're pooping them, that's a problem. They'll pay for the doctor. It, you, that's true, actually. It's a self-fulfilling circle. Um, I uh, watched Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z Broly, the legendary Super Saiyan. Um, don't think this is the first time I've seen it. I'm pretty sure I watched it when I was a kid, but I, on, quite honestly, I could have just absorbed it through osmosis. The the first the first Broly movie. Yeah, the first oh, Broly movie. Okay. Um, it's. I, mm, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's actually a pretty good movie. Um, the the new one, like it's my god, the the jumping quality that they were able to do with with Broly is is like you just went to the moon a couple times. Yeah, but like that that new Broly movie is like that with pretty much any previous Dragon Ball thing. That's true. <laughs> um, but the what they were able to change Broly, and it's so interesting. Like Broly is a very menacing, like um, outspoken character. You know, he's just like, I'm going to kill everyone, Kakarot, and I'm going to kill you. And, and and like, if Broly's motivation wasn't just so so much the stupidest thing, just so much the stupidest thing. Is that sees... the one with? Is that the one where Goku's crying and he's mad that yeah. Goku's crying as a baby? Yeah. When they were babies, <laughs> yeah. Kakarot wouldn't stop crying. Oh, so it is dumb. dumb. Oh, it is so dumb. It's just it. so stupid. <laughs> and then, and, and if Vegeta doesn't get sidelined for about 20 minutes i may that might be an over exaggeration maybe it's like 10 but like he he realizes that broly is the legendary super saiyan and up until this point he's been like i'm gonna go kill the legendary super saiyan he's been leaving and coming back and like i'm gonna go kill him and then when he realizes that it's broly he just has this moment where he's just like okay we're all gonna die there's no point in fighting we're just all gonna die now and like what are you doing vegeta actually, you're vegeta i actually really like that character beat personally really yeah, I mean, I like the idea that when Vegeta meets the legend he's heard about his entire life, when he's actually literally faced with that power, that it would instill fear, because that's the whole point of that story, is to be scary. Even to Saiyans. I guess. I see I'm that. not going to say the film executed it well, but I don't have a problem with the idea of Vegeta going through that character moment. Yeah, and I'm sure, I, I think you're right. It's the, the idea is not, not bad. It's just that, up until that point, he's such a, and like Vegeta just in general, is such a gun-ho, like, shoot first ask questions later character and he's been trying to to like fight the legendary super saiyan because he's so confident to kill him and it's just it gets to the point where i'm just like he's right there try right because because he doesn't believe that that power is real and then he's faced with it hmm. and yeah, i like I, and i, I like that. when it's piccolo right piccolo picks him up and is like get your shit together and then drops him yeah and then vegeta like comes to yeah yeah i like that shit 
I guess I mean when you say it, when you say it, it sounds all right. But you have this, you have this, you have this reaction. You have this uh, ability to get to me like that in general. <laughs> Again, like I think the movie could execute on that idea better. The idea of like, because that's like the whole thing about the Broly movie, right? Is like this mm-hmm. idea of the legendary Super Saiyan Fable being true, and if they're faced with it, what that means, and Vegeta being the only person in the group who has lived his life with that story. Uh, and being knowing like if if you make that story real the fear that that has to instill in him because that was a that was a warning story not necessarily a a, a champion story for the saiyans yeah it was a it was a boogeyman of the saiyans in a way and having that really come to life in front of him would be chilling and i and i think that that's fine that he regresses uh in the face of it at first i will say the legendary super saiyan idea is very intriguing I'm really glad that new movie exists. Yeah. They still do the thing in the original where like his green energy like goes in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's oh. that's so good. Oh, I love that's that. It's a good, good design. Yeah. I, I might actually watch the new one soon. Like today. No, you gotta watch Bio Broly. That's a, that's a bad time. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad time. Um, all right. I will only talk a bit about Strange New Worlds because I'm going to do that final episode. But the real, the... real, real quick before you get off, the, anyone should check out like a, it's a, it came out this week the the Dragon Ball. Oh yeah, uh, Legend, Legend, a Dragon Ball fan film. Yeah, it's, it's like seven minutes which involves long. Broly. It's like seven minutes long, but it's like its own like recreation of dra- basically Dragon Ball Z. God, there's something um, there's something so chilling about the Broly changing the the Kakarot <laughs> to Vegeta. Um, yeah, it's like seven minutes long, but it took four years to make. And it's like one of the most groundbreaking, like beautiful animation things you'll see yeah. this year. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw, I saw clips of it on online. I haven't checked out the full thing yet, but it looks gorgeous. Um, definitely, definitely give it a watch. I won't, so I won't talk a little, I will talk a little bit about Strange New Worlds because I just want to talk about my favorite show of the year. Um, I was really loving Strange New Worlds. And I think it's an incredible show, but my God, by the time that final episode ended, I was just like, I was, I was not sitting anymore. And I was whooping. I was like cheering about how great the show had been. And, and I just, I'm so thankful it exists. You guys, uh, everybody who, who on my, on my feed, who's a friend watches Star Trek, this is like, they're saying like, this might be the best Star Trek ever made. <laughs> um, even more than the original show is like, it does those original shows, but like with modern sensibilities. And I'm like, uh, I'll definitely start watching it soon. But like, I the seeing how everyone is so positive on it is really, really exciting for like Star Trek fans. Like yeah. that's I, that's great. I, I, I've seen positivity also on on the feed on my feed, and it's just like I'm just so I'm just so in love with that show, and I'm so glad it's getting a second season. And there were directions that I thought it was going to go this season that it, it decided not to go in, and I was grateful for them because it made it unpredict unpredictable. And I just I cannot I cannot sing the praises of this TV show enough. Uh, it, as I said, it is by far my favorite show of the year. Um, and I, I just... Anson Mount is incredible. All the cast is incredible. Yeah, man. Bring on that second season. Like, I, I cannot... I cannot wait for that second season. It's not coming this year, but, like, it's soon. It's, it's, it's soon-ish. Uh, and I'm so super, super, super stoked. Hell yeah. I'm so happy to be here to like sing the praises like this of a Star Trek show again. Like this is legitimately one of the best, one of the best shows, the, the best show of the current run, but like one of the best Star Trek shows, period. One of the best first seasons of a Star Trek show, period. It's incredible. I definitely heard that the most of like, 
like like you know the original show and next generation like the first seasons are maybe the best but like this is the best first season of Star Trek ever made yeah even if you don't agree it's the best like overall like it is the best first season it's like, so consistent every episode is great like every episode i was saying this is my favorite this is my favorite yeah this it does favorite. it definitely knows what it is right from the jump mm. i love that and it I, didn't I think, need to find anything i think that's what discovery's biggest issue was in the beginning was that it didn't know what it was and then this one just comes out being like yeah we're star trek we're good star trek we're just gonna constantly make good star trek episodes. what if we did the thing you guys liked before what if we finally just did that huh what if we just I, did that amazing and what Give if we did it great i love it. I, i'm the the final episode it was so by the by the by the time captain pike said space the final frontier there's something in the final episode the sparks you have not watched yet correct you've no, been i have not so there's something at the at the beginning of the episode where i made where i made a guttural sound of excitement like a like a noise that my body has never made before because i got so excited at what had just happened so oh it's so good, guys. I'm so excited that it exists. I love it. That's, I'm so happy for you and for, for Star Trek in general. Yeah, I love feeling like this. It's a good show. It's a really good show. Uh, and I'm so glad you like it, Sparks. I'm, yeah, I'm, me too. I, I, I've always wanted you to watch Star Trek, and he finally and it finally got yeah. I'm glad he started with a really good one, because imagine he started with, like, like Disco Season 1. Well, it's, it's correct It's correct on everything that we thought, which is this is this is a good modern entry point into Star Trek. For anybody, this is yeah. this is a good way to walk in. Yeah, I agree. Phasing. Mm. Finally, I'll talk about. I finished Thor. I did not read King Thor yet. As the one, there's the one one thing I haven't read yet. Ugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, um, you're telling me you read a hundred and something issues, but you couldn't get five more, Brandon. Come on, Brandon. I, I couldn't. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I read all of Thor, which brought me to uh, to through and the end of. War of the Realms. Um, War of the Realms. So the stuff beforehand is really good. Um, it's it's basically just like kind of leading, like kind of like setting the pieces, getting Malekith ready to like, okay, now we're going to Earth and we're going to screw things up. There's an issue of Thor that ties into War of the Realms about Cole Borson, who is the main antagonist from Fear itself and uh, Odin's brother, the god of fear. The serpent. The serpent. He's He's got an issue in War of the Realms that is... Uh, all about him going to Svartalheim. Svartalheim? Svartalheim. Yeah. Um, to destroy the Black Bifrost, which is Malekith's um, Bifrost. He created a Bifrost, and they've got like these mushrooms in Svartalheim, and, and, they, can, and they can explode. Um, and Cole goes to destroy the Bifrost, to destroy the Black Bifrost. Yeah. And he ends up accidentally saving the elf, the dark elf children that are enslaved in Malekith's mind. Uh, mine uh, uh, and 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 throughout the course of the episode he accidentally becomes the god of inspiration oh, to the people of Svartalheim yeah. and he hates it but until like the end where he's just like I've always wanted to be loved oh um, and it's it's a great it's a great bit of character development um, I had not read Fear itself so this was my first entry with Cole Oh, okay. um, so he—he's a fun, fun character. I'm, I'm actually going to go back and read Fear itself because of because of this. Love it. Um, so War of the Realms uh, is 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 super sweet. Uh, I really I really dug the hell out of that of that event. It's all about like Avengers and different characters. Like Daredevil becomes uh, the the Guardian, like Heimdall. He basically becomes a Heimdall. Yeah, he becomes. Yeah, it's that's sick. So 
It's really, really cool. Um, and the uh, Jason Aaron takes the opportunity to uh, reunite his three Thors, which he loves to do, and I love it when he does it. Um, because uh, King Thor is just so cool. Of all the thing, of all the Thors, like I really like Mighty Thor and all the all the all the Thor run. The King's the King Thor stuff was like the stuff that I constantly was just like, this is the dopest thing in the world. Sure. Um, and I liked everything about it. But yeah, really good. Um, I I had started reading Donny Cates' Thor run when he started, so I didn't. I already kind of knew where the where the run like where Thor's um, status quo was at the end of this uh, because of that run. But it was really cool to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm now Jane is Valkyrie and Thor is doing his thing and all that. So like, I'm a, uh, I'm gonna read King Thor and I'm gonna be done. You're not gonna read Valkyrie? Yeah, I'm actually going to, but like for Jason Aaron's like Thor run, I'm going to. But Jason yeah, Aaron I... and Al Ewing both wrote Valkyrie the comic. Oh, then I'm definitely gonna so read you, it. Cause... Yeah, he he jumps off of it for the next volume, but he wrote Valkyrie. Yeah, because I really like Jane, and it's not a spoiler because we we've all seen that the Valkyrie comic exists. But uh, she, uh, she, as Valkyrie, like as when that happened, I was like, you know what, I I definitely want to go back and read read that i'm also interested in reading the angela comics because after original sin she basically just disappears from her from the thor title yeah so i'm interested to see what she was doing with her title because she had two titles one before and one after secret wars mm-hmm. yeah awesome run i'm sad it's over like it's so big and bombastic bombastic and it's just so uh it's all about like what it means to be worthy and the ending is just so cool the thing that thor does at the end is so cool and i won't say any more than that Shall we get into our main topic then? Nope. Shall uh, we get into the bread and butter then? We have some sad news up top. Actually, quite a bit. A lot of sad news. Uh, LQ Jones. If you are not familiar with this name, he was Three Finger Jack in uh, uh, The Mask of Zorro. Mm-hmm. If you remember this character. Um, he's the one at the beginning uh, who introduces Antonio Banderas and his brother to the story. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, longtime character actor, but he's, he, I had only seen him. I have only seen him in that movie and I know we've all seen that movie. So I want to keep that as a reference point. He's sure. de- definitely a guy from like sixties and seventies, big and big and before our time. But yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, how many times in my mind will just go, nobody's tough as Jack. Nobody's like, honestly, like that plays in my head almost constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he passed away this week at the age of 94. Oh my god! Yeah, you go to his, you go to his like filmography, and he's it's he's, big, it's huge, yeah, like mm-hmm. so much stuff before we were born. Oh yeah, um, I love long life. I love the Mask of Zorro. I actually really like him in the Mask of Zorro. He was always a memorable character for me. Oh my god, he's dude, dude. I'm just scrolling. This dude has done so <laughs> much work. Like he was in the Incredible Hulk TV show. Look at that. Oh, cool. You know what? I probably saw him in something, but he wasn't dirty enough. Yeah, yeah. He's dirty mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. Tony Sirico, a longtime uh, gangster character actor from The Sopranos, he played uh, Polly. Polly Walnuts. Polly Walnuts. He played Polly Walnuts um, in The Sopranos. He passed away at the age of seventy-nine. Yeah. So this guy, um, mo- obviously most famously for Sopranos, he he was also in Goodfellas. But like, he was an actual mobster who went to jail and then got out and cleaned his act up. Uh, but he's so good at being that persona, he just he became an actor uh, in gangster movies. Um, like again, he's only 
he's mostly famous for like one big role but like what a role like uh, uh one of the funniest uh uh funniest dudes on that show um that's a, that's a real shame. He's he's definitely got legendary status for for The Sopranos. This is mm. why uh, this is why everybody was sharing around his Sesame Street appearance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, God, this, the, the Sopranos guy showing up on Sesame Street and Muppet stuff—that's so funny. Uh, yeah, there's a good there's a good clip going around for those that don't know where um, they were on Sesame Street. Tony Sirico and and um, God, I forget the other one's name, but they're both on there from from The Sopranos, and they're playing. Bert and Ernie, and Bert and Ernie are giving them notes on how to better play them. <laughs> That's cute. Um, yeah, he is also Vinny and the fa- and Family Guys, and fa- Family Guy. <laughs> there's more. There's not more than one. Um, so he was constantly like, I was looking at his, his uh, IMDb, constantly playing a mobster in yeah. practically everything he was in. He's really good at it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Kazuki Takahashi, who is the creator of Yu Gi Oh. He passed away this week at the age of 60. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I I definitely grew up. Yu-Gi-Oh! is one that I was heavily involved in. Yeah, I love Yu-Gi-Oh! I still got my Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. Yeah, yeah. I love that show. Yeah, Yeah, I fell in love with Yu-Gi-Oh! thanks to the anime. And then when I was a subscriber to Shonen Jump, I was really enjoying... The Yu-Gi-Oh! manga that was in Shonen Jump was one of the stories I was really invested in every month I got the magazine. So this, this one hurt. This one was a bit of a blow. Yeah, I mean, he shaped, he was an influential part of our childhoods. Mm-hmm. Sparks, did I interrupt you? Oh, I was just, I have I have zero attachment to Yu-Gi-Oh, but I respect the work. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You haven't played Yu-Gi-Oh. Nope. Yu-Gi-Oh did not, uh, was not my, my He didn't partake in any duels. No. Yeah, I love, I love you. That first Yu-Gi-Oh series is one of my favorites. I never caught the sequels. I... Once we got to like DX or GZ or SNWPDUWG, yeah. I, I dropped out. I mean, even... I do remember. Do you remember going to see the movie? Remember the the Yu-Gi-Oh movie that played in theaters for a bit? No, I remember the I... trailers. I never saw the movie live. I, I went to see the movie. Yeah, or... my my understanding is a lot of the anime follow up stuff was just constant diminishing returns. But I also don't think Yuzuki Takashi was involved in a lot of the development mm-hmm. of those. No, yeah, I think was... maybe I think potentially he only did the first series. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he only he only really worked on the first series, which of course laid the groundwork for not just the show but the, the game as well. And every new season of Yu-Gi-Oh that comes out, um, it's they just throw in a new gimmick for the card game. It just makes the card game. I mean, I still love playing Yu-Gi-Oh. I enjoy the game, but there are times where I'm like looking at all the new stuff. I'm like, what the hell is going no, on? It's, what is it's honestly. This? It's just like magic. Like I, I am used to the original stuff, and then like twenty years later, they've added so many new components and types of there's things. There's so many cards. And... There's so many cards that we would play that we used to play with that are just no longer legal to play. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. There's also so many cards that once you lay it down, there's like a, the text is so small, and you need a magnifying glass to read what the effect does. Pot yeah. of greed. I remember you. Pot of greed. Ben, you and I, you and I have been trying to play with our decks for a while. Mm-hmm. We have decks man you guys should play with your decks way more often <laughs> i heard it as soon as i said it i heard it <laughs> i was watching i was watching the vanity fair for taika waititi uh and uh um tessa thompson tessa thompson um and and he and she was like uh, and there and there's like uh uh jane and valkyrie they're actually the same height so they so uh he, he goes and they're on a deck 
Like, but he, but he's like, I'm sorry, that's my accent. I'm saying deck, you know, deck, because mm-hmm. he thinks that his accent is saying dick. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 so interesting because usually, uh, uh, creators of like these manga will usually once they've ended a story pick up something else at some point down the line but takahashi once he finished he did finish the original run of the manga but then he just supervised the franchise after that but he didn't write like more manga stories or anything like that except he did have like a one shot and then uh but this this was his last thing um he wrote a two-part manga titled secret reverse for the marvel shonen jump collaboration which was released uh, on Show and Jump Plus in September 2019. Look at that. You're right. That was the last thing that. he did. Wow. Got that Marvel money. Yeah. Uh, Teriyoshi Nakana, who was the super, was the uh, SFX, special effects um, director for numerous Godzilla movies, including Terror, Mecha Godzilla, and Godzilla. Well, it's Return of Godzilla, but we have Godzilla 1985. Mm hmm. Um, uh, he was the so he's basically the guy that directed all the like the situation, all the like the, the little explosions of them. He's that guy. Um, honestly, the reason why a lot of those movies look really great still, Terra Mecha Godzilla looks awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he he passed away at the age of 86. Mm. A lot of long, long living legends passing away this week, yeah. And speaking of James Kahn, I do not know who I, I do not, I do not need to say where this man is from elf um no i'm kidding um he passed away at the age of 82 no this one definitely is a uh uh uh, i used the word legend earlier but like man james con uh, uh, that's a a real legacy man that whether you're young or old like he's appeared in everything he's been in in voice roles um definitely i I joked about it but like his role in elf is incredible like quite honestly like his his whole arc in elf is he's very funny and and he's very likable yeah. Uh I yeah, I actually quite like his his role in that movie. Uh he's uh uh Thief, the Michael Mann movie Thief. Have you ever seen that? That is an incredible neo noir movie. Um my first time watching James Conn was in a really bad Adam Sandler Damon Wayne's movie from the nineties called Bulletproof, which I had VHS and I watched that movie on repeat where he played a a uh, shitty like mobster guy uh who like who like ran the police force. Uh but that was one of those movies that like Adam Sandler made in like seven minutes and James Conn wanted a paycheck. But I Remember him in that movie forever. So thanks, right. James. Thanks, James. I, I really like him. That's, 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 this is a sad one. Yeah. All right. So there's nothing else there. Uh, he was uh, the dad in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. You're right. He was. Yep. Oh, um, yeah. I forgot all about that. Yeah, he's he's done a lot of a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I did just I was scrolling through his filmography. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed none of us mentioned The Godfather, but, you know, Godfather. Yeah. You know, y'all don't watch those old dramas. <laughs> sometimes The Godfather just slips your mind. You know, one of the greatest movies of all time just slips your mind. The the the, the over over uh, I don't want to say overhyped because that's not what I mean. But like the talking about it as much as people do makes it so it's like, well, nobody needs to bring up The Godfather. But it's like, well, maybe we should mention The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get notes. Hey, hey, you guys didn't mention The Godfather, right? I mentioned Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. You did, is, and I'm really glad. Which is it because about I, as equivalent as the Godfather. It would have it would have left my brain, and you're right, just as culturally impactful. Absolutely, yeah. Those eyebrows rising, yeah, absolutely. yeah. It's, it's it's as important as Al Pacino's performance from the 1975 movie. Absolutely, 100. I want you to write an essay about this take. In my essay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, some Disney news. Quick, uh, quick Disney news. National Treasure. 
the show has a title. And I actually think it's a really cool title. The Edge of History. Yeah, that's a good title. Yeah, yeah. those are words put together, yeah. Uh, now let's get into the, some of the juicier stuff, because Captain America 4 has a director. Um, we know that the showrunner for Falcon Winter Soldier, I just forgot the gentleman's name, uh, but he he's writing Malcolm it. Spellman. There you go. Malcolm and Spellman. he's not the only one. It's the the other writer from the show is also there. I forget right. his name, too. But um, it's both of them. They're co-writing it. Julius Ona. Is going to be directing it now it's from ben's favorite movie from a couple of years ago if you remember the cloverfield paradox ben i'm sure you love that movie still uh yeah. he is going to direct captain america for uh dallin dallin Musson uh is the other writer uh so uh yeah Ju mr julius yeah the last movie he directed was cloverfield paradox but he has directed the last american movie he directed was called last american paradox. sure uh, uh uh but he has done other more notable things just the most famous thing he did was Cloverfield Paradox, which because he does, uh, he's a Peruvian Hungarian director, Hungarian? I believe. I believe if so. you're hungry, Brandon, you should get some food. Um, yeah, that was awful. Um, honestly, like, uh, the directing is not a problem I have with Cloverfield Paradox. I think it's pretty, a pretty decently well shot movie. Um, this definitely, you know, feels kind of like, like work for hire type of thing. Like, you know, I, I can't say this guy has like a super, uh, uh like Sam Raimi as directing style, but like, uh, well, it's, it's, I don't hate the choice. I'm not going, oh, no, the movie's ruined or anything. No, it definitely kind of feels like, to me, someone that they, someone that Marvel could boss around. Yeah. For, I hope that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. I think, that, I think that is the thing where, like, we're looking at a lot where director visions are shining through, right? And, that's, right, now. and right now they are, yeah. And, uh, and you want that to continue, especially with Captain America 4. And it's like, there's no indication one way or another of, of if that will be the case or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we'll see. And they're bringing back... The people from Falcon Winter Soldier, which I'm not the biggest fan of. Yeah. So that's, that's the one I'm most worried about, quite honestly. Right. Yeah, the writing of it. Yeah, yeah. One thousand percent. Um, real quick, because Captain America Four made me think of it. There is something in the week that I did forget. I also wanted huh? to talk about. Maybe yeah. you do too. And it's the cruise video. <laughs> yeah, the the 15 minute video that you don't need to spend a thousand dollars on is available online now. What video? Oh, the cruise, the cruise, Quantum Encounter. Oh yes, uh, watched I it. I was like Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, uh, watched it. Perfectly happy to leave that thing right where it belongs on a cruise ship. <laughs> um, it's just it's badly written, poorly directed. It's nowhere near the level of direction that they brought to the the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, ride videos. Um, it was very clearly shot on the smallest green screen possible. You can feel you can feel the corporate. Uh, I'm really glad it wasn't our first introduction to Miss Marvel um, because she does not shine well there. But to be fair, nobody but Paul Rudd comes out really nice in that. And it's because he's like a comedic actor. He just knows like, what he's doing. He he's, knows yeah. what he's playing, and the rest of them just don't. Yeah, it, 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 it like... read like a bad Avengers crossover comic, like yeah. a bad one. I, I did like. Um... Ross Marquand's uh, Ultron. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, like that's that's you know he's got the voice. Like you don't need to worry about him. Uh, no, I'm I know. I just, like... I just, th I just think I just want to give him the props. Like if he ever wanted to be like Ultron forever, like if like they want made another movie for Ultron, like I'll be happy with him. I'm pretty sure he's their Ultron now. He's been the voice in what three things now? Yeah, yeah. What if and Multiverse of Madness and now this? So mm -hmm. um, give him, give him the page. Yeah, I just I. 
I wish uh, it's it's not. I it's get just, I get why this is what it is, and it's like meh. I get why they're not releasing it to the public. Yeah, because it is very much maybe only Disney, only the Christian people should see this because it's not really that great. I would. Oh, I'm sorry, Ben. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say you guys keep talking. Um, I'm. It's really hot in my loft right now, and I'm gonna go downstairs and get a fan because it's sweltering. Yeah. I'll get be right back. Um, he. Uh, uh, I'm really happy that at no point Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel uh, have a scene together. That's true. That would have been a bummer. That would have been, been a bummer, but like, she does go, oh my god, was that Captain Marvel? Oh, I, dang, I just missed her. Yeah. So like, she saw her. So like, that first... That, yeah, she but she, she could see her. She could see her, but if they, that's the first time I ever saw them interact, that'd be a bummer. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even still, that was a little... That was too much for me, hoping that like, I want her first to be like, oh my god, look, it's the first time I've ever seen Captain Marvel. Like, be in the movie or a I show. Think, I don't think like the Marvels movie will come out and they'll be like, yeah, you know, Miss Marvel, she's in training with Captain. Oh, America. of course not. No, like, like, like this is. Well, but yeah, like, yeah. didn't the didn't the director of that come out and say like, yeah, it's a different universe? Because people were asking if this was canon. He was like, no, it's not. It's a different universe. Don't fuck off. Well, dang. If it's not <laughs> even connected, then who cares? <laughs> then, who, then who cares at all? Is that, Why right? is it not that's connected? Some, that's some Superman and Lois logic of that is uh, some terrible. Yeah, it's, it's well because like. Because like it, it was a, it's not made by Marvel. It's made by Disney. Sure. You know, it's it's the same, it's the same uh, uh, principles as like the the rides at Disney aren't canon. It's in the Spider Man universe. It's rough. All right, Echo. The Echo TV show. Um, so we apparently have a confirmation that Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio are both coming back as a Daredevil and Kingpin, which is I it? think we all assumed. Is this officially confirmed or? People are reporting it, it as is, as if it is officially confirmed. But I'm I'm saying it's reportedly confirmed, which basically just means like it's. I am not. I'm yeah. I'm, I heard this rumor. We heard this rumor a while ago when that show was like first happening. So like, yeah. um, makes sense. They. I mean, we got Kingpin and we got Daredevil, so like it makes sense for them to show up in in, in some type of show. Before I think we all. Show. I think we all figured that. Well, I, hope, they, I just hope up. they're not dominating the Echo show too much, which is one of the reasons why when like the Daredevil yeah. season four stuff was going around, we were like, well, that'd be pretty good so that the Echo show can be the Echo show. I hope yeah. it's like the same amount of stuff that like Kingpin was given, although I hope it's better than like Kingpin was only in Hawkeye for like, what, like an episode and a half or whatever, yeah. or even a full episode. Like, I hope it's more like that instead of it's a backdoor pilot where it's like, sorry, Echo. Like, do, you think, do you think getting shot made um, Fisk forget that Matt Murdock is Daredevil. Yes. <laughs> it's so dumb. We can't Spider-Man 3 this apparently. What, what, other, what other reason was there to shoot him at the end of Hawkeye? There uh, was no good reason to I shoot know, him at the I end know. of Hawkeye. He's gonna... He's gonna uh, I hope he runs from air. I want to see that story in the Daredevil. I'm sure that if they were to do that, that's gonna be down the road. It's not gonna be soon. No, I know, but like if Daredevil Season 4, which is probably next... Two years probably. Uh, uh, I I could see like uh, uh, that being the conflict that Fisk wants to run from is going to run from air, and people are like, yes, and Daredevil's and like, no. Win. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, very excited. I love those two. Can't wait to see them look together again. Yeah, yeah, Daredevil. We all like the Duffer Brothers, correct? Yeah, I do. I do. They have formed Upside Down Pictures, which has an exclusive deal with Netflix. <laughs> Uh, to do to, to develop new TV shows for Netflix, and uh, two of them, they confirmed it's the you know the Stranger Things spinoff and the a Stranger Things stage show in London, directed by the guy who did Cursed Child. So, hmm. okay, sure, all right. 
So they've signed an exclusive deal with Netflix uh, to develop a few things, such as a um, Jeffrey Addies and Will Matthews uh, series. They're the they're the two guys who did uh, Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance. Oh, good. Give them more. Ooh. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and a series based off of I think one of I think we can all agree one of one of Ben's favorite books, uh, Stephen King and Peter Staub's The Talisman. Ooh. Ooh, Ben. Ben, the talisman. <laughs> Ben's just done. Ben's done with me. Um, Ben, quick synopsis on the talisman from you, please. There's a talisman. It does bad shit. There you go. Oh. Awesome. You know what? So close. Yeah. Six seasons and a movie. Um, <laughs> there's apparently, I don't know anything about talisman, there's talisman references in this newest uh, volume of Stranger Things because they're such big fans of it. So, like, they're reading it at the end. Right. Oh, is that what? That's the book he's oh, reading yeah, yeah. to Max at the end. That's just there, the talisman. There, there you go. I wasn't even paying attention. Um, so this is coming from. I'm just checking what this guy has done before. Um, but this is coming from Curtis Qu- Curtis Gwynn, who was is not currently a producer on Strange Things. Okay. Um, Give him a shot. Oh no! Wait, I read IMDb wrong. He is a current producer on Stranger Things. I'm sorry. Um, and then finally, they are going to develop a new live-action adaptation of Death Note. Hmm. I, well, I mean, I mean, can't be worse than that last one, I guess. It, it can't, but at the same yeah. time, though, Death Note and Netflix don't mix. No, but like, no, Adam Wingard and Death Note don't mix. No, because right. like, I think, I think, uh, some of the sensibilities of stranger like i i could see i they're not the worst choice for me the duffer brothers yeah. doing like a, a death note like do i need another death note this quickly instead of something like else original or a different adaptation uh, i'd rather have something else but like i i think i think this is far more appealing to me if you do a death note without light and without like like without even trying to do light again mm. like you're doing a different there there is pretense for this too yeah, like yeah, 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 um they're they There's they did eventually they they did eventually make a 10 years later film follow up to the Japanese films we watched yeah, in live yeah. action uh, about a new person taking up the death note. And like yeah. that wasn't based on almost like a it was a, it was a whole new, like what we're doing thing, um, which I really want to watch. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they, I, I think it'd be far more interesting if you're, if you're going to do this, just like do go into like, especially if it's going to be set in America, like do something different. Don't have this be the reimagine the, yeah. the whole. Yeah. Uh, go go a different way, create something new with it. And yeah, I'm far more interested in that than I think trying to once again do Light and his story, but in an American what's, setting. What's the demon's name? Ryuk? Is that right? Ryuk? Yes, Ryuk. Ryuk they can yeah. just, yeah, just have it be a completely new new person who gets stuck with Ryuk. Like, it doesn't have yeah. to be, yeah. You can tell a similar story without the same people. Yeah, actually make it an American death note. Like, yeah. actually, like, make it, make it part of the plot that this is after death note, or before Death Note, or whatever the hell, and someone else finds the Death Note in America. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a special manga volume that came out after Death Note was finished. I want to say it was called The Los Angeles Murder Trials. Uh, it's, it not, written... it's, not a, it's not a manga, it's a chapter. Mm-hmm. It's not oh. a whole volume, but it's a chapter. Yes, you are correct. There is a special one that's that's a, like a... They, they infamously put Trump in it. Um, Hmm. Uh, it, it was very I, political. Yeah, the Los Angeles BB murder cases. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you don't need to do that either. Uh, that was okay. that was very like speaking to like the moment of the 
how they were feeling about the political climate looking at America and America wanting a death note and all this kind of stuff. Like, you don't need to do that either. Like, you could just, there's so much room to just do your own thing. The world's uh, rich enough, you can do your own story, yeah. Like, like, like let, let's be honest, if you're not creating Light and L, and you wouldn't because they're not going to be the same characters if they're set in America, then do something different. Those characters are iconic as they are. Leave them alone. It's true. Yeah. Uh, I just looked up at the the Death Note movie. By the way, 2017. We covered that on the show. We did. We did. Um, uh, was written by the gentleman who did Immortals, and are currently one of the writers on the Wrath of Zeus, which is the anime that Powerhouse does for Netflix. Oh. Mm. He likes to stick with the uh, with the Greek mythology. I see. But uh, yeah, they they did that first one. You know that first one doesn't have bad people attached. It's just really bad. It's just, it's just, yeah, just, just the immortals. Part. Immortals isn't that great. Which one's immortals? Henry That's the one with Henry Cavill. Oh, I've seen that with Tarsal. Greek, that movie's pretty cool. Greek God. Yeah, no, that movie's actually pretty cool. Have you guys seen it? Yes. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I like. I only saw it the once. I'm, I'm going off of a memory I saw in theaters. Gotcha. I, I think that movie is better than, than, other people give it merit. Not that, not you. I, I think that movie is pretty cool. Sparks, you like that movie, right? I, I remember not having a particular problem with it, but I can't I can't for the life of me really remember the story. I just remember the visuals. Yeah, yeah, the visuals were pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, um, I had to I had to do a, a, a look in on them when I was doing a, a video, a list about all the actors who played Zeus and Luke Evans was Zeus in that. I've seen I've seen worse Greek myth films. Oh, one hundred percent. It was right. no it was no gods of Egypt without me having seen gods of Egypt. Oh, wow. uh, but just hearing about it, like I definitely wasn't on that level. No. Yeah. Um, I would like to revisit it, to be honest. Uh, Wakanda is getting a new five-issue miniseries. It's going to come out in October, so that ties in with the the new movie coming out. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a five-issue miniseries. We'll have a rotating uh, ca- uh, team of artists that's going to spotlight different Wakandan characters. Um, the issue will be re- the first issue. First issue will be written by Stephanie Williams with art by Paco Medina. And it's going to focus on Shuri. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then each issue is going to have a backup story, which is created by Evan Narcissi. Yeah. Nar- Narciss? And Natasha Bustos, uh, which will be the history of the Black Panther mantle. So every issue will be a different person who's had the Black Panther mantle. Uh, Evan Narcis is great. He's done uh, a bunch of comic work. Um, he's written Black Panther. He wrote the Black Panther Wakanda expansion for the Avengers video game. So that dude is very ingrained in Wakanda right now. So it's cool that he's still living in that world. Yeah, I think this is a cool idea. Nice tie into the movie. Um, lots of, I think, also strategic to kind of get people going into the movie prepared for a non-T'Challa Black Panther. Yes. You know, because yeah. this is going to be about different Wakandan characters and will be about the Black Panther mantle and not Chitala, uh, T'Challa. So, like, I think we're, I think it's it's to help audiences get prepared for that movie. All the audience members who won't read this comic. They can try. Marvel can try to get it out. Yeah, yeah. Like, we warned you. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Trailers. T-Talk. We're in Robocop. the park already? Wow. We're in the park already. Robocop rogue city i love robocop they have made a they made a ps2 first person shooter that is not good 
Uh, this trailer is is uh, it doesn't give me any indication if the game's going to be good or bad. It's mostly stage gameplay. Uh, it's just it doesn't look like anything. New. It doesn't look like anything. Yeah, it doesn't like it's going to probably be a narratively focused first person shooter. Um, like any of the gameplay it showed, it showed like his tracking system, but like it doesn't look good. Like it doesn't look like it didn't look like real gameplay. Um, this is coming out next year, so like uh, I'm happy it exists, but like it didn't give me anything to be like. Wow, I need. I definitely needed this. It, like, it doesn't look like it has the kind of love and attention that the eight recent Alien games yeah, it's, have had. Yeah, it's definitely going for for, like, for a comparison of like film adaptation stuff. Yeah, it's definitely uh, like oh, corporations are bad. Like, where's our money? Like, it's going for like you know the the satire of corporate America in the future and stuff. But like, uh, I need more for me to want to have to shell out a lot of money for a Robocop Robocop game. I'm here for it if they can make it a funny. Like you know, like like almost like like similar like the boys type of thing, um, or like you're making fun of, of a, a whole base of people basically. Um, that could work, but also gameplay has got. I'd buy that for a dollar, Mag. You get it. You're the best, Mag. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I want to. I want to say that like I think the selling point for this game, for at least for this trailer, is the reveal that it's Peter Weller's likeness and voice. Yeah. Uh, people are people got excited about that, and like rightfully so. It's cool that Peter Weller is coming back to <laughs> Robocop. Absolutely, yeah. In any sense, um, I don't know anything about this developer though, so I can't really. I don't I really get much from this. It's, I didn't it's look a, it up. Nam, Nam, Nakma, Namco, Namcon, Namcon. Yeah, they're 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 the same people making like there's a Terminator survival game. They're lower they're lower budget company. Sure. And it does look like that because the graphics don't look like something that could that you'd see on a next gen console. Yeah, it is. It's also a year away, but like, yeah, it's this definitely feels pro- probably a budget game. Which again, no problems with budget games. I love budget games. Um, but it's, I need a little more for me to be really excited about it. Yeah. Well, well, it, we um, we owe Grayson an apology because the God of War Ragnarok release date was announced with a announcement trailer of its pre-order coming this week. Um, uh, November 9th this year, 2022. I don't think we owe anybody an apology. We were quite confident. We had reason to be. Yeah, I just, and there's nothing wrong with game delays or anything. No. Uh, I'm just no. like, I just want a game. I never want developers to feel uh, crunch or, or stress if they can't get a game out when it's supposed to. Like, game delays are always good. Uh, everybody, like, I follow all the developers on Twitter and they're like, nah, man, it's coming out in November. Like, we just had to, we just had to make sure and we're on track. Um, I it's still gonna be real hard for it to beat Elden Ring. That's gonna have to be better. It's gonna have to be better than God of War for it to I think to beat Elden Ring, and that's gonna be a tough cookie because God of War 2018 is one of the greatest games ever made, and that's that's a tough cookie to crack again. Um, uh, so I'm thrilled, especially because like God of War 2018, you were doing something like totally new with God of War. Now it's not gonna feel as new. Yeah, and and it is it is um. Again, the game is still going to, I'm sure, going to be good, but it is reusing some of the, you know, the, the previous assets. It is not a completely new environment. It is a sequel, much like Horizon Forbidden West is a sequel to a game. This game's coming on the PS4 and PS5. Mm-hmm. So it is not going to be a true next-gen game again. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything about quality. It just means it is not going to be the next-gen experience I think uh, we'd all hope for in terms of big scale. I again, think we probably should have, I think we should probably should have realized that when, uh, because this was in development just after that first game. Like yeah. they stopped that, they stopped developing that first game, and they went into this game, um, yeah. and that, that's what they said. That's what they, that's what they, they, they confirmed that. So like, this was, 
this was pr- that was probably our cue to be like, yeah, this one was this one was meant to be for the PlayStation Four. This one was not meant for a next gen console. Totally. Yeah. And and th- again, there's like a hundred and some there's like a hundred million PS4s out there. Like it makes sense for a game this big to put it on both consoles. I um, it is just a situation where like uh, I just know that they are being limited by older technology. So like, again, the game could be, the game's going to be great. Like I have no problems with that. It's just like a situation where like, I know it could be more. And that's like, I do hope that we, I'm super stoked. Just want to say that right out loud Mm -hmm. because like God of War is my, one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, uh, The 2018 one, quite honestly, all of them. I like them all. Um, And I've been super, super stoked for this idea. And um, the way they've done, they've kind of like, Star Trek 09 to Norse mythology, which is so much cool, which is so cool. Um, uh, the, and uh, this trailer got me super hyped because this is like a 30 second teaser where they're like, oh boy, do things boy, whatever. But like Fenris was there, and I was like, damn, if we get to fight Fenris, oh yeah, yes, this is yes, this is a, a duology, which means this is the last North, Norse mythology one, so we're getting. We're gonna get all the big boys. We already know we're fighting Thor because the pre-order bonus is Mjolnir's hammer. Yeah. Uh, so, so Thor. So the guy who plays Thor. We, we've always known it was it, Thor was in it because they announced that pretty early on. Yeah. He's in the post credits of the game. Um. Yeah. But he. Uh. But the voice actor for Thor, uh, did it with the with one of the game designers. Uh, did like an unboxing of the pre-order specials and it. Ah, uh, guys, what a horrible time to not have money. <laughs> no, I get you. Um. The thing, the great thing about God of War games is, like, after you kill somebody, you usually get their weapons in some mm-hmm. capacity. There's no way in hell Kratos isn't wielding Mjolnir in this game. You're getting Mjolnir. There's no way in hell world. he's not going to wield Mjolnir, at least for one part of this game. It's going to yeah. be uh, spicy bad. and juicy. Um, I, yeah, I thought this game wasn't going to come out this year at all. And the fact that they're saying that's coming out in November, I'm like, okay. Uh, Happy birthday do... to us, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it comes out before birthdays. That's even better. Um... So, I mean, if it does happen to get delayed, I'm not going to be upset about it. But at the same time, I have a feel. there's like a feeling in my gut that wants to be optimistic and they might and they will make this November release date. Um, but other than that, I'm actually really happy that we just got a quick three second thing with the release date coming out. I'm like, this that's fine. We haven't I'm okay had a with full. We haven't had a, like a full trailer yet. Like one that like shows like other parts of the game. That's, We're going to get like, one. Gameplay. We're, yeah, gonna we're, gonna get gonna get we're gonna we're get we're gonna get a state of play because like every big PlayStation yeah. game gets its own state of play closer to release. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a state of play. There's probably gonna be a state of play. I'm gonna guess maybe in um late August, early September, or somewhere around September, because that's mm-hmm. normally when um PlayStation they like to do a lot of their state of plays is in that part right before the holiday season hits. So we're probably gonna get like a full length trailer then. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm kind of fine with just knowing that Ragnarok's coming November 9th. That's it. Here's a quick little thing for it. You know you're gonna if you love the first one, you're gonna want to get this one. So Sparks. I think it was the fact that we knew that this was the end of the Norse mythology thing that had you and I specifically hoping like, and I kind of hope it gets delayed enough that it's a PS they like put the PS5 technology into it. Mm -hmm. Like just is what it is. Yeah, and it'll again, like it'll run better, it'll look better, but like it'll still be using PS4 technology as a base. Um and again, like that's I, I'm. I know that probably sounds negative to people, but like I just mean, I just mean like it's. It you want it to be the best that it game. could be. You want it to be yeah. the best that it could be. Yeah, yeah, and like that will be the next one. The next one will be the holy shit. This is the future. Uh, yeah. It's just when you work on a game for five years, you can't just ignore the previous generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
some of the pre-order editions I think are a little bit of a bummer, um, only specifically in the fact that none of them have a physical copy. If you yeah, uh, sure. look like you'll get a steel book, but you will not get a disc. And I, I'm like, what I, is this? I hate this trend. This is the worst trend of all time. Games do this all the time. My Arkham uh, Knight. That's why I have an Arkham Knight steel book because of that. Yeah. Uh, this this uh, no version of the the pre-order packages, the big ones, have a actual physical game attached. It's all digital codes. That's, that's a wild. Yeah. I they're all digital codes. Of the game. Yep. I, Ooh, I despise that. But those dice. I haven't played D&D, but those <laughs> dice. It's just, I just, I don't understand why we're like, why put a steelbook in there? Exactly. exactly. Um, and now like, I'm, I'm, I prefer physical game discs most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I'm like Ben in that way. But uh, specifically, like, it's just weird to have a steelbook included in two of these packages and you're not getting a disc. Yeah. Actually, when I read the, when I read the Steelbook, or when I saw what the um, collector's edition was, I didn't see that the digital code was included. I just saw that it was like, hey, here's this, here's this, here's the Steelbook. doesn't have the game disc. I'm like, well, that's shitty, so I have to buy the game and then put it in the Steelbook? If I bought the collector's edition, I'm spending a hundred some dollars, or over two, sometimes $200 on some of these collector's editions. Bitch, I better get that physical game. That's what I'm paying for. That's like, what's supposed to be the main the- thing. What's the steelbook do? Nothing. It's a hold the disc. Where's the damn disc? I mean, hold the only time where I... you shell out another chunk of money to buy a disc. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, okay, with other games. So, like, there are times like Square's done this with Kingdom Hearts three and Final Fantasy seven R, where they do have physical, where they get put out like physical deluxe editions, where it's like, hey, you get the steelbook and the game, you get all this, but it comes in two different covers, as in like you get your regular case and then you get the steelbook case. I don't need the spare case, but at the same time, I'm still getting I'm still getting the physical game, and the steelbook has room because like with Final Fantasy VII R, that came with two discs, the download and the game itself. So it's like cool. The steelbook has room for both discs. I can just swap it and I can just put that case elsewhere. Yeah, I feel you. I'm that. Pre- <laughs> I looked at that pre-order bonus. I was like, I don't need a disc uh, because like. That hammer, man. That hammer, I was like, man, I, I want, I want, I want to be Thor. It is pretty cool. I want to be Thor. I mean, um, I will not deny that the collector's editions, especially especially the one with Mjolnir, is really freaking cool. And if I had the money, and I wasn't saving for Europe, I probably would. But at the same time, the fact that it doesn't con- doesn't include a physical copy of the game, it's just a download code. I'm already like, as much as I want the hammer, I'll probably just there's one pre-order bonus there's one pre-order bonus i believe what not maybe bonus but something comes with a digital copy like a digital code for the ps4 version with the option to buy the ps5 version for an extra ten dollars yeah that's that's pretty much standard yeah you just if you buy a ps4 version these days then you pay 10 more dollars and you can get the ps5 version so it's to encourage like if you don't have a ps5 yet don't worry you can still spend ten dollars later and get oh the PS5 so i thought original. it was i thought that was just the pre-order bonus that it would that would that that it would be no, all that's the pre-order bonuses would just be playstation 4 but you're saying no, no, there, no, will no, be, that's... there will be ps4 versions of the of the bonuses of the of the boxes got it uh xbox 
is so much better in this regard where you can buy a game for the Xbox and it'll play on Xbox One, Xbox Series X, it'll play on, it'll play every, everything. Uh, depending on the developer and the publisher, you either get a free PS4 to PS5 upgrade or you pay $10. If it's a PS4, like Ghost of Tsushima, God of War, those type of things, you, they charge you $10. Whereas like Hitman 3, they give it to you for free. Uh, it just depends uh, if it's like if it's owned by PlayStation or not. But PlayStation makes you pay for an upgrade usually. Right. Yeah, yeah Knockout City, yeah. I had to pay for the PS5 upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember having to pay for my PS5 upgrade on Knockout City. Maybe I didn't. I'm just I'm just misremembering. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure we did. I'm pretty sure we didn't pay for the PS5 upgrade for the Knockout City. Doesn't, uh, doesn't matter. Because I know when I got. Yeah. Oh. Doesn't matter. All right. No, because I'm not talking about Knockout City. I was going to talk about when I downloaded um, Nickelodeon All Star Brawl. It gave me the options like, do I want the PS4 version or the PS5 version? And there, and since it was through PlayStation Plus, both versions were free. Didn't matter what. So I'm like, I'm well. I have a PS5. Might as well get the PS5 version. Final Fantasy VII. Uh, there was a uh, ten dollar upgrade. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Anything that generally is uh, licensed onto other consoles, PS lets you just do it. But um, if they own it, they charge you. Right. Um, that's something I wanted to say about. Something else I wanted to say about. Ben, we can't hear you when you mumble like that. <laughs> no, no, I'm just talking to myself. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. God of War. Exciting. Yeah. Um, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. None of us have seen the show, correct? Nope. No, but I want to. Yeah. I want to. Uh, I did watch the first episode. I forgot to write that down. I watched the first episode this morning. It's pretty good. Yeah, I've seen a lot of clips of it over the years. I've been like, well, this is the the turtle show I would watch right now is this one. Uh, yeah, I had the same. Oh, I was wondering why why you were so muffled. Your cat was in front of your microphone. No, for for the animation. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, love I'm... I love the unique designs. That's one of my. Uh, that is one of the things I love about the Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Is they all have unique designs, so you know clearly who each person is. Um, and I always like that idea of continuing that of like, yo, you know who this guy is just by based off the looks. You don't have to. Because uh, if you're colorblind, you don't have to pay attention to the colors. Because if you're yeah. colorblind, that could be a problem for some people. That is a that is a struggle with the the old school Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is that they all look the same. Yep, absolutely. Um, but like these ones are built uh, differently, so they, they're it, they feel more like individuals. Yeah, the original, uh, the original Eastman and Laird comics, they didn't even have the color to differentiate. You had to differentiate by the weapons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this, yeah, the animation is sick, and like it is a continuation of even uh, of like. Emma, you crazy girl. Uh, it's a continuation of that cartoon, just with a bigger budget. And uh, I, uh, it definitely makes me. I probably won't watch the show, but like it does make me excited to like watch a movie. I'll watch a movie of this for sure. Yeah, I thought this looked really cool. The 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 plot of it. I mean, I like Sparks. I've been seeing stuff online about like some of the action scenes and the mm -hmm. animation for it. So I was always kind of interested. And then this movie just looked really cool, and it was a really cool idea with Krang. And it's like this is the most interested I'll probably ever be in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles outside of the comics. So I was like. I'm going to just give this a shot. So I did watch the first episode. It's pretty good. Nice. That It's interesting. That's on Paramount Plus because it's a Nickelodeon show. And then the movie is going to Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Hmm. Oh, okay. I thought that was weird. They probably, they probably bought rights to it before Paramount Plus existed. Probably. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Just a short oh. little, short little oh. thing. Hey, look at all the people in the show. Still, I can't. I it looks, thing, looks expensive. The reason why I wanted to talk about this one is because I didn't know there were Ents in the show, uh, and I'm really excited to see what they look like because just judging by from what we the brief moment that we saw them, um, they look pretty good. 
I hope the CGI is good enough for these things because that would be awesome if we could get like some screen accurate ends on the TV show budget. I'm I, not worried about the budget for this show. It is the most expensive yeah. show ever made. I wonder if we'll see much more of the ends than what we just saw. I hope we do. The I'd... the the way it's the way it's clipped. There's this young Hobbit girl. I think she's a Hobbit. Um, in the uh, with in the forest with the ends, but that could be a misdirect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited for the show. It's happening. September Clerks three. The locations look good. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was my last thing. Uh, I I like Clerks a lot, and I think Clerks two is actually a pretty good movie. Uh, um, 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 I think this looks fine. It looks fine. It doesn't. It doesn't look like the worst Kevin Smith movie ever made, but it looks like it looks like it's 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 a personal. Uh, because he has heart attack, he did almost die. So like he's putting a lot of that in this movie. So like this definitely feels like a more personal movie than some of his other recent work. Um, so wasn't that what the last one? Wasn't that what the last Jay and Silent Bob was too? Oh, you know what? Well, that's more about making fun of reboots. This definitely feels more. No, but no, that was that was he was like I I came out of the heart attack and I wanted to make this movie about about that. Well, I guess fuck me, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so like he's doing this, he's doing it again. Really, I mean, you know, good for him. He's making the movies he wants to make, but like. It is the same. It is essentially the same, kind of. It comes from the same thematic place. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I if you like if you like the View Skewerverse, I think this looks completely charming. If you if you want more Kevin Smith, there are worse. I think this looks better than the Jane Silent Bob movie did. Mm-hmm. Um, you you are getting the entire cast back. I know. Um, like the lead guys, like they didn't really care for coming back, but like he was able to show them a script that they liked enough. So like, uh. Like for the general audience, like this does nothing for most people, but I think. But like, if if you're looking for another Clerks movie, uh, this could look worse. Right. Like if you're already in that groove. Yeah. If you're already in that groove, like this this doesn't look as bad as Yoga Hosers. Mm-hmm. So like. Sure. Sure. Uh, luck. Luck. This, yeah, the this, animated one. Yeah. yeah. This looks cute. Yeah, I I really like the 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 kind of vibe of this. Um, I do like the animation. Uh, the, but the voice acting is what I'm really interested in. So for whatever reason, there's something really cool about. Uh, I don't know. There's something that I just really like about like the the cast working together and the way they're playing off of each other. And even though they're not in the same room, they might have recorded in the same room, but unlikely. But like the for whatever reason, that's the thing. I'm like, oh yeah, this this looks fun because of the voice cast. Hmm. I don't even know who's in it. Simon Pegg is the cat. That's the only one enough. Off oh, I didn't even. Head. I thought it was uh, uh, Craig Ferguson. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was Craig Ferguson too. And yeah. Simon Pegg, he uh, he's doing his uh, Scotty. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. uh, this looks this looks good. I, I I'm not gonna say I loved it. I, I like the premise a lot of like uh, like luck being like an entire like uh, world thing that you have to deal with. Um, and mm-hmm. she has no luck of it. Uh, and a black cat, I love black cats. Uh, that is Jane Fonda as the dragon. Okay, cool. Um, um, yeah, yeah. This looks this looks is this like Apple's first like big animated movie, or have they done other ones? I can't tell off the top of my head. Maybe it's the first big one then. Cool. Uh, uh, and it looks it looks charming enough. I, I'm not gonna say I'll immediately go and check it out on my Apple TV subscription I don't have, but uh it looks the animation's nice for sure. Yeah. We got a full trailer for Paper Girls. Yes. Ben, you excited for the animated movie at all? Uh I mean it looks fine. It looks fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it looked fine, yeah. Paper Girls. Uh this trailer. It's fine. I don't think it shows a lot of what the show is. It feels kind of... Uh, it's very Stranger Things, which, again, that's what the comic is. Um, but it didn't 
do anything more than the teaser kind of gave me. It's just a longer version of the teaser in a way. We do get oh, more I of a it. sense of of uh, who the villains are in this. We get more. John we Stuff do Park. get more interplay with, between the between the four girls. Yeah. Um, the joke at the end that honestly got to me really bad. This is like, she gave you the cool shirt that says "dumb" on it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was really funny for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was pretty good. I hope it's. I hope it's great because like i want to watch it i like the energy of it i'm optimistic yeah yeah um ben do you, yes or no do you have anything to say about paper girls not really cool the woman king want to see this viola yeah. davis got some got some abs <laughs> she put on some what she put on some muscle yeah i'm really excited for this uh black panther spinoff that's rude that was, that's a, that's that was a true cool. story it's yeah. a true story. Yeah. That's rude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think this looks exceptional. Uh, I'm always, again, like, we like, unfortunate for the princess that came out, but, like, I am always a fan of seeing, like, you know, men, when women kick ass, too. That's you got um, Lashana Lynch. Yeah, I like, it's, like, here. yeah. Um, John, John Boyega. Boyega. John Boyega. John Boyega's been hyped about this for a while. Finally showing up in movies again. Please be in more movies, my guy. <laughs> no, he's been really happy with this one. Yeah, uh, I think this looks awesome. It looks really, uh, uh, engaging really exciting uh man i love a good kill a colonizer story big fan uh uh keep it up with rrr you know what it made me think of uh more than more than black panther was um lovecraft country okay uh, yeah, yeah yeah sure when she when she flashes back yeah 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 um i i i'm i'm all about that like, like give me more of that uh, i always i always like i mean it's the reason why i like the the uh the romelage uh, mm-hmm. black sure. panther i like this idea of like warrior women who are uh far more are far stronger than the men they are the ones who protect the society like i, I like that story i was happy to see that this was a true story i think that's really i awesome. don't i couldn't tell because it was like really quick if it was lashana lynch or someone else but there's like one shot where they're just like going like crazy eyes on them and i'm yeah. like yeah do it get it <laughs> get it why should men get to do all of it let them do it exactly. it'll be good right yeah. That shit. yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to this one i want to see viola davis kick some ass take some names light and magic i like behind the scenes special effects stuff so this looks fantastic that seems like a fun docuseries mm-hmm. yeah six-part docuseries about uh what's the company name industrial light magic industrial light magic thank you um i'm so sorry yeah uh, mm. i really like when all these people get to talk about uh industrial light magic because they are they are the VFX house. They are the ones who started it all, essentially. Like they, um, f- the the way they 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 started it is incredible. The story of how they began is great. Uh, and then you get Steven Spielberg and Ron Howard and James Cameron, all these people who've worked with Industrial Light Magic, be like, yes, this is, they're the best. This is why I love working with them. And give a hopefully, it's really really unlikely. But uh, George Lucas, maybe this is the first like thing that George Lucas comes back for for like a minute. Do like a sound bite. Yeah. Uh, I I spend all of my time online. So I have watched many, many, uh, like fan made, uh, uh, admittedly, but I've seen uh, tons of documentaries about ILM. Yeah. So I'm curious if I, if they will be able to give me anything new. We are, they are getting like the original directors back who they have gotten for some of these YouTube documentaries. Like they, they have millions of views, right? So like they're not like, they're not like, super low budget or anything so i'm curious if i will be able to get any additional information 
as someone who's watched 20 years I'm, of YouTube documentaries about them. I'm, I'm interested in some of the people who like, I don't know the name of. Yes. And like, who are the people who were like, yeah, we were, we were the foundation. Like yeah, that, yeah. that one lady at the end who's like, we, the, you know, we were the rebel Alliance. Like they were the foundation of ILM and yeah, they were the yeah. people who were coming in with imagination and genius. And I want to hear yeah. what they have to one, say. That, yeah, was, yeah. that was cool seeing uh, Phil Tippett. He, he has a soundbite in this, in this trailer also. Phil Tippett's mad God. Yeah. Cause like, I, again, like watching, also watching just like the behind the scenes of all the Star Wars movies and stuff like I feel like I've gotten so much like I know how they made all those special effects for A New Hope. I've seen that a couple times by now. So I'm I'm curious like what new information I can I can grasp out of it because it's 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 out there. It's been out there for a long time. Maybe it won't be so much about like how they made the thing, but like like how they made the visual thing mm -hmm. but how they brought the company together yeah through the people yeah yeah, through yeah. The people and i think that's and that's maybe what it's going for yeah yeah it's it's and their journey to constantly innovating even now yeah and like that'll yeah. come through the lens of like some of the things they created and like how they had to think about them and that kind of thing but but more about like them coming together as a the community unit, those things yeah. are so interesting to listen to because like mm -hmm. i mentioned last year like listening to the halloween podcast where they had like the people on who like came up with how to film certain scenes and like what Michael Myers look would be and just like listening to people talk about how they come up with these ideas yeah, yeah. and translate from idea to screen uh, and, and have to collaborate and listen to others on it is what's interesting. So I think that we might get more of that here. Oh yeah. And it is, it is, it is really fascinating. No matter how many times I've like seen it, like how do you go from, we don't have special effects too. We have special effects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that is yeah. truly, that is, that is something really cool to see of like, we had to make all this shit up. And luckily it turned into like an entire the, industry. Like the one shot of uh, that, that they show in the trailer of the, the sand crawler with the camera, like the sand crawler model. And the guy's just like throwing sand. This is how we do it. <laughs> I love to see like little ships on sticks. I'm like, man, it's, we've come so far. No, I just love to see like when, um, I forgot what scene was. It was a scene on the Death Star where he's, I, I, a ship blows up and they actually have like a little main pyrotechnic go off. Mm -hmm. And there's a guy right there with the camera trying to get the shot or you see the TIE fighter break the, the wing breaks off and it's floating or it's spinning in the you air. See, that's what's so interesting. Like watching Corridor Crew is really fun too because like they'll, they'll sometimes do like these early special effects like for like Tron. Um, because Tr uh, uh, Tron was like the first one to use a computer. Like before that they had to put these visual effects what we would consider cgi now it would be like filming cgi mm -hmm. that's essentially what this is like they had to film assets cut them in put them in different pieces of the film um uh, and nowadays we just have a computer and we just that's how we put it back into the movie yeah it's become it's become complex but simpler at the same time yeah yeah well it's not as dangerous yeah yeah, now that you mentioned Tron, it just reminded me of this little fun fact about Tron not getting nominated for an Oscar because the Academy thought they cheated since they used computers. Yep. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I wasn't, not the Oscars. I remember that fact. <laughs> um, all right, that's all. That's everything. That's all the news. Should we go into our main topic then? All right, so guys, we are talking about Thor, Love and Thunder. Full spoilers if you have not seen the latest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, skip ahead, pause us, close us out. We already got your view. Um, go see it. Whatever. Pause. Do whatever you want. But full spoilers from here on out. Um, so what do we think about Thor, Love, and Thunder? I had a pretty good time with this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. Sparks or Ben? I loved it. 
Ben? I also had a pretty good time. I think this is like my either this is my second favorite Thor film, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, that's I, li- I like the first Thor film, but that's not hard. Um yeah, I uh I had a really great time with this one. I wish I could have seen it again. So I, I there is something we will talk about that I said was if if this happens at the end of the movie, this is gonna be the best Marvel movie ever. Look, it's not. But like, I can't not like this movie because something re- that I've wanted for years happens in this movie. You got Hercules. Oh, that's pretty cool. But no, we um, don't care about Hercules. I like Hercules. I've read Guardians of the Galaxy by Al Ewing. He's cool. Okay. Okay. Um, I oh, don't not care. Uh, yes. Uh, so where do we want to start with this one? Uh, the beginning. The the core recap. Yeah, I think that's really funny. <laughs> I like I like everything about it. I like yeah, I like so much of this movie. The, um, the core the core recap was was fun because because it was just like and then he mourned his brother and then he mourned his brother again and then he mourned his brother a third time. Uh, if you haven't, if you didn't see any of the, any of the Thor movies or the Avengers movies or any Marvel movie, I think you get just enough. To, like this is where Thor is now, yeah. Uh, which is which is or, like fun. if you haven't seen them for a while, because like I do think it's important to have. If you didn't just rewatch those movies, which I rewatched all of them, I rewatched every movie with Thor in it in this past week. But if you didn't just do that, it's important to know emotionally where Thor's at because mm-hmm. yeah. he's he's gone through a lot of things, yeah. and that's weighing on him in this movie. And uh, I think that you do need to just be like, hey, by the way, don't forget, yeah, Thor's been through a lot. Um, and I, I thought that they executed that part really well. My only negative of the film, truly, is that uh, I just wanted more time with things. Like, yeah. I just thought the movie needed to be this short. That That's is really my big negative. Yeah. That is one of my negatives as well. Uh, the fact that, like, coming out of it, I, do, I don't mind the pace of the film. I think it's, it's brisk. Um, but this is un- unlike Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which I like. I like its two-hour runtime. Um, but it, uh, this one felt like, like, you could have added stuff. There's plenty that you could have added that would have been a net positive to this film, would have really helped us with uh, staying in a moment, which we don't really get to. Yeah, that that is my make sure to play. Like, I honestly don't really have any negatives besides, like, the moments that I that I wanted to last longer didn't last longer. That's just me being selfish. Like, yeah. I, I liked everything in it. I wish there was more of it. Uh, hmm. Unlike other movies where, like, I can feel I can feel where they edited some of this movie out, but unlike other movies, like it doesn't make the movie worse. It's just mm-hmm. like, man, I wish there was more of it because it's good. Right. I agree with yeah. that. There's also there was a few times in the movie, especially in the beginning, that some of the line delivery was kind of mm, I don't know. It just didn't feel right to me, mm-hmm. especially when like with Chris Pratt. There was like a part of Chris Pratt, like half of them was like I don't know if this was Thor it projecting on chris pratt i don't know it just there was this line where chris pratt in the very beginning when he comes up and they're talking about um about like hey you gotta look into the people you love you know that's people you love you know that scene but when it first starts off it's like thor if i may it's like you may it's like is chris pratt trying like asking thor Wait, for permission to talk no that no he's not he's being he's he's being facetious to thor oh okay he wants to tell he wants to tell thor get the hell off my ship We're yeah he's trying to kick him out okay and he goes to him to be to be polite Thor, if I may. Oh, okay. And, you know, and I gotta tell you, like, coming from Infinity War and Endgame just a few a few days before, 
literally the day before watching this one um star lord's written so much worse in those movies so fun okay much worse in those I, movies okay. than he is here i was okay. watching I need... this and i was like this is the most i've liked star lord in a while honestly and he's not in it that much but i like i think chris pat looks good as star lord and i think he's doing a good job with this with this dialogue this is a good characterization for star lord okay. i didn't catch that he was being facetious and so now that i think about it he totally was i retract that statement no that's fine um yeah, I I, uh, I I really like the beginning. It was just, it just reminded me of when Thor Mary Poppins out of there. He's a witch. He's just the wicked witch. Right, right. He's the wicked witch. He's just like, now, come on. There's a battle to win. It just flies down there. I will say, um, comedy is extremely subjective. And I and, uh, if you don't like this movie because you don't think it's funny, that's a valid criticism. I, I, I'm not going to fight anyone who doesn't think it's funny. Sure. Uh, Taika Waititi's comedy works for me almost all the time. Right. Um, he might be throwing out 100 jokes a minute, but I don't think any of the jokes are bad. It just means not everyone will land with a hearty guffaw. Um, but like this opening scene, I really enjoy Thor being silly. Like he's talking to the to the aliens and like, this is our temple. And the, and the guy's like, oh. Yeah. He's like, like, yeah. It's just the, his mentality. Taika Waititi's like, like, comedy comic mentality just just works for me so like even the jokes that aren't funny i'm still hanging with it i don't turn my brain off like i like and like just like ignore the rest of it like i think it, uh i think this is still a very funny movie throughout if it's i don't think it's as strong as ragnarok but i do think uh, uh i was laughing the whole time like like thankfully yeah. i was like i thought it was funny the whole time yeah i would agree with that one uh tech way works for me 97 percent of the time and <laughs> that is a that that is great because like i can i can always there's always gonna be something that i'm 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 laughing at in this movie, regardless of if every if every joke if he throws out a hundred jokes and ninety seven of them work, that's a that's a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we said we were going to talk about the opening, but then we didn't. Um, which is Gore <laughs> with his oh, daughter. Gore with opening. his daughter. I wrote that note to be like, I want to talk about Gore with his daughter. Um, with Chris Hemsworth's daughter and uh, going to the Necrosword and meeting his god and i thought i thought all this adapted gore quite well me too uh for for film the god of light uh that is one of the vampires from the what we do in the shadows movie mm-hmm. love it big fan they do like it, some people have called this out as like bad cgi the way that like the god of light looks with like his outfit and his head and i disagree i, I think i think I it looks disorienting in a way that it should he's like a big man yeah he's, he's a god Gods are supposed to be like imposing I think, figures. I think people are uncomfortable with. Uh, they do a straight-on shot of him when he's talking to Gore, mm-hmm. and straight-on shots can be jarring in general. But like when you are when you do have like CGI stuff and there is CGI stuff to make him look big and his, his with his headdress and everything, like his head does look like it awkwardly moves on his body. But it didn't feel like bad CGI. It just felt like this god feels weird, yeah. um, and just like a a truly uncomfortable way like mm-hmm. how uncomfortable it would be to be with a giant god when we when when we were watching the movie uh you know when it gets to the the opening with gore and his daughter um which i absolutely love i think it's all well well done great tone um all throughout great way it's a great shot um and in the comic uh the the necro sword falls so this falls to the sky, falls from the sky, uh, with the two beings who are fighting. And I thought we were going to see that. 
And I was like, oh man, this is going to be so cool to see, see that moment. But I think what they did was much better for the movie uh, because they had this, they had like the previous guy who had the necrosword, which makes it kind of this thing where it's like this uh, cancer that is being passed from person to person and in its quest to kill gods. Right. And I not, think that was a cool change. Not only do I think that was a smart change for the film, but like up to that moment in the film, I was feeling like, uh, if it's just him and his daughter, we're not really getting the full sense of like how dedicated all of his people were to the gods and that yeah. they abandoned them. But then you get that because he encounters the god and has a conversation with him and says, I'm the last of your disciples. And he does, the god does not give a shit. Yeah. And that, that tells you everything instead. Yeah. Uh, and that worked totally fine. Totally great for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then we do the, uh, then that's what, that's the guardians, the guardians bit. So we talked about a bit about the top, but can we talk about the goats real quick? I'm uh, sure. Yeah. Unless you don't want to. No, it's fine. Uh, the, the goats, I was worried we're going to wear thin. Uh, but up, I got to tell you guys, up until the last frame of this movie, I was laughing every single time those goats screamed. They, uh, yeah, I could, I could definitely see people getting tired of the goats. Uh, but I think that they do, they're put into enough different situations where it keeps it funny. Like you first meet them and they're laughing, so that's funny. But then they're on the they're on the guardian ship. Uh, and Nebula's about to shoot them. Yeah, yeah, she's about to shoot them. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll use them for meat. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> um, they run into the moon, which is probably the best gag. Yeah. The moon bit. The moon bit just because it's because it's a beat. It's a slam beat. Ah! <laughs> uh, it's a tiny moon. Uh, great. So good. Physical comedy, I, yeah. I, I will not lie. At first, I thought the goats and my cats meowing, Suki, it's okay, baby. I'll um, scream at it. She's she apparently she likes the screaming goats. Uh, I really thought the screaming goats were gonna wear super thin. And like the scene with the, on the ship is like, okay, if this is what then the entire film, this is gonna get annoying real quick. But they were actually played just enough that every time, like Brandon, when they scream, it was funny. Because they're because they're they're not they're not screaming goats in the comics. Toothnasher and Toothgrinder are from North mythology, but also the comics. Uh, and they and Thor just rides them into battle when he doesn't have Mjolnir. Um, and, and they and and but they're not screaming all the time. And so that was oh, a Taika Waititi change. And I was I was really happy that it worked so well for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it like being a gift from from the people that he saved. Like he can't say no to them. And like clearly they don't want them either. They don't you, you have accepted them, so they must go with you now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> because because now he's not the god of thunder anymore. He's the god of devastation, as they oh. call him in the in the send off conversation <laughs> where they give him the goats. Oh, They're yeah. like Thor, god of devastation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like you want to talk about the temple? I really don't. I'm gonna get mad. <laughs> it's making me sad. Yeah, it's making me sad. Um, it's really good. I if one of the things I wish we had lingered a bit more on were the dead gods. Um, oh yeah. I yeah. liked, I liked, I like that we see the Guardians of the Galaxy getting distress calls from different populations who's who are finding all their gods dead. And there's some pretty gruesome imagery that's lifted from the comics in that moment. But I do wish we had more of Thor seeing Gore's devastation before Gore shows up. That is definitely now that the movie's out. That's definitely a lot of stuff that got cut. Lena Headey yeah. was a god, was apparently a god who got murdered, and there was like a whole entire subplot of like Thor meeting her and her dying and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, uh, Goldblum and uh, 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 the, the dwarf guy, uh, uh, Peter Dinklage, Etri, Etri from yeah, Peter Dinklage. Apparently, like they were both going to get killed by Gore. 
Uh, and they decided to cut that from the movie for timing purposes, like tonal purposes, whatever. But like, there was more gore butchering, and I, uh, I, I, I could have used definitely more of it. But again, like I, it it's, gives it's you the just thing, enough. It's the thing that you're talking about. It's the thing that you talked about when you first when you said there should be more, which is like it's you being greedy. It's me being greedy too. I, I like the stuff in this movie, and I would have happily had thirty more minutes. Yeah, pretty much. It, it, it gives you saying. just enough to to, feel, to realize the threat. Yeah. Um, and us, us coming from the comics. Like we know the potential is there. Uh, and it's so good like, that it's good that they they use. Uh, I'm I have mixed feelings about Sif's uses in this movie, but it, it is good that they use a th- uh, a god that is in immediate danger that Thor knows and has yeah. has a relationship with in the form of Sif, mm-hmm. um, who's in her comic accurate costume, which was cool. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but but and so that gives it the that gives it the weight. But like, still, I do wish that we would have had more uh, more gods from different populations showing up dead i think for me i just wish that there had been an implication of more time passing where gore was doing this and they just yeah. hadn't figured it out yet mm-hmm. um but because it because it's translated through the distress signal thing even if it's just what well, we didn't activate the distress signals today um they kind of all come in at once which feels like gore is just like Recently. doing all this in a day and i'm like ah i i wish we were just learning about this or something like that. And you still like, you get some amount of that implication, right? Because like the tribe that comes up to Thor says our gods are dead. And now that the yeah. gods are dead, the temple was, was left abandoned and they came in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so like the, the nuggets were there to expand on the timeline of that. Just didn't, which is fine. Yeah. I also yeah. could have used more time with the guardians, frankly. Yeah. Sure. Before they vamoosed. Um, yeah. I thought they were going to come back. But they wouldn't have added much to the story. I just no. wanted to. Yeah. I like Craglin. Craglin's there. I'm real happy about it. Marry someone on every planet they go to. <laughs> the joke with Craglin is so good. Buddy, have you been here the whole time? Yeah, I married... What have I told you? You can't marry every person on, the, on every planet. You're just becoming a little ego. Look at him. Uh, yeah, I really liked uh, I really liked Craglin's inclusion. And it was nice to see... It was nice to see a relationship had progressed between, all, between Thor and all of the Guardians. Like, he's no longer competing with Chris Pratt, or at least Chris Pratt doesn't think of him as a threat anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you get the, you get that uh, a little bit of rocket and Nebula being closer than the others because mm-hmm. they spent the five years together. Yeah. Yeah. It's all there. And it's kind of, it's kind of nice that like that, that was able to just be plopped in as like just some good guardian stuff. Yeah. Cause like they didn't need any like little character moments between any of them. They could have just mm-hmm. had Thor is with them and then he leaves. But like, it is the nice little attention of like, no, all these people have gone through their own journey and stuff. And it's like the little attention to detail to that is is, is nice. I do still kind of stand by my uh, assessment that we talked about a little while ago about kind of wish that the Guardians came back around for the final confrontation with Gore, or at least like what they thought might be the final confrontation with Gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if they were going to like address these distress signals and like Thor could call on them for help. Um, but the, the, cl- the clean break like does leave room for what is the point of the film so like again I, that's that's yeah. kind of fluff but it is like oh that would have been nice i i i see what you mean i don't know how i want other things in the movie more yeah it just is a sense of like thor was just with the guardians if thor needs help why wouldn't he call the guardians yeah that's fair and the guardians could like they could have been how uh the kids get back from New yeah Asgard. yeah there's the, you know the Perfectly, perfectly happy with what we get instead because like it's more focused on Thor and Jane and Gore, which is where the film should be. Focused. And the Thor kids. Uh, it just it, in a logic sense of like if I'm Thor and I just left that team, 
I need a team to get the kids. I would call the guardians, say, hey, these kids, can you help yeah. get to yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um I I like the uh I I, I like that all of a sudden Heimdall has a son. Love yeah. it. Astrid. Axel. Um uh Astrid. Astrid by Axel. Sorry. Oh he doesn't wait, isn't Axel you're right. No, I want to be he wants to be named Axel after Axel Foley. Axel but then, then he changes his mind, right? No, his name is his born name is Astrid. He wants to be called Axel, and Thor doesn't want to call him that. Because okay. he's, he's 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 too old to understand. Axel Axel Heimdelson. <laughs> I, I always like that. Name. <laughs> I did know I was like, it's like your dad gave you a really cool Viking name and I'm gonna use it. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I really like the I, I was surprised at how much I like the kids' inclusion. Um and it leads to one of my favorite scenes, which is Gore torturing them, I guess, yeah. with like the worm thing. Yeah, he's just That's trying to, He figured out what kind of story they like. He's just trying to tell them a nice story. They like the, they like heads getting chopped off. So let's let's give it to him. Yeah, I'm so happy Christian Bale, Gore comes out much better than Malekith. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. oh he's, yeah. Christian Bale is incredible, and they give Gore just enough to make him a good villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's gets... oh, man. No, I was gonna say there's definitely a reason I was looking forward to seeing this movie because there's like snippets of an interview Chris Hemsworth did saying that he absolutely loves Christian Bale as Gore. He thought it was one of the best things in the movie or, or something to that effect. And seeing this movie, it's like he's not wrong. Christian Bale is amazing as Gore. I think he did a fantastic job of just being absolutely terrifying. The way they use shadows to obscure part of his face with just like the the red, the yellow eyes, they're yellow. So good. He got uh, he got eyes. he got unhinged just enough without like going over the deep end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it didn't go into full tilt performance, but he would get like, you know, like loose with the kids or when he's taunting uh, Valkyrie, yeah. and uh, you know he'll he'll let himself emotionally get a little rambunctious and uh out of control but it never got to like i have gone full joker over the edge Here yeah, we yeah, go. yeah he gets a little goofy yeah uh, uh which is which is fun like yeah like his scene with the kids like it is like a fun menacing of like oh you don't like you oh i thought you like heads getting chopped yeah. off like he has a proper does, amount of menace and fun and he does a good job of turning from that to i knew a girl like you mm-hmm. and then it gets deeper and deeper into the emotions that he doesn't want to talk about yeah 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 yeah, I agree with that. I think I think just Christian Bale is just, I mean, truly one of the best villains we've seen mm-hmm. in the MCU. He's, he's not, real good. He's not in the movie. Again, this is me being greedy. He's not in the movie as much as I assumed for our main villain to be. Like, yeah. I feel like he kind of pops in and out. Like, uh, but that's why yeah, I, every- that's why I referenced him to Malekith because Malekith yeah. has more screen time but a far less developed villain. Christian Bale does more with less in this yeah. movie. Oh yeah. Uh, every time he's on screen, you're like, oh yeah, there's he's 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 not phoning it in. Oh yeah. 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 And he's yeah, having a good time. Him. Yeah, because yeah. I'm selfish. selfish. <laughs> said I wanted more time with him because I'm selfish. We got uh, King Valkyrie hates bureaucracy, hates writing stuff. Uh, fantastic outfits. Yeah. The montage yeah. of Tessa Thompson's different suits as King. Mm-hmm. Just great outfits. Tessa Thompson looks so good. Uh, I think new Asgard looks really good from the last time I've seen it. Man, it is a tourist ass tourist place. Oh, it went from a quaint little fishing town to a huge with a town with a booming tourist industry. Cruise ships. Um, because I saw this film twice, and the second time I thought about some of these things, and like I don't care. I love the movie. So these these are like boy, you could nitpick these if you want to. 
I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is funny to me that we do a whole montage of many gods in Thor's life having been killed. And then it's like the necro sword, which can kill gods. And I'm like, I've seen a lot of gods die. Though. <laughs> so I don't know. Is it that special that it can kill gods? It, it's Small G. Yeah. It's one of those things where like, uh, they could have said like, Oh, it has the power to end like omnipotent life something because again we have seen a bunch of gods get murdered right yeah yeah it's i was just kind of i was kind of like thanos had I no mean, problems i mean okay the yeah. necro sword it's still cool i think that they play it off just fine in the film yeah. um similar deal about finding eternity that bifrost is the key that's kind of our whole point gore gets it gets to eternity at the end um thor just happens to know where that is with the lightning bolt and goes and then not only does thor but so does warsong with jane uh yeah. know where that is so they got it i mean technically technically does warsong travel on the bifrost uh, no. warsong? yeah the the horse oh valkyrie's horse oh i forgot oh, yeah um no sh- no it's a different it's a different yeah way i thought so it's a different travel. thing so like they both figure out how to get there somehow. she just like ports in or whatever that's cool yeah. Whatever, I don't care. It's a great. I like movie. that effect, the porting in effect. Yeah, yeah. It, just is, it just is a little funny when like the semantics of the movie of like why it's happening is like only the Bifrost can take you to where that is, and I'm like, mm, okay. This is a this is a Taika Waititi. This is where the 97% work for me, and this is one of the ones that didn't work for me. My uh, didn't work for me as a strong is actually a strong word. It's, I'm not too negative on this, honestly. It is strange though that there is a place in, on New Asgard that is called infinity infinity cones which is a very funny pun but yes thanos wiped out half their population twice <laughs> yes i i also am like that's real funny but okay sure thanos, thanos attacked them after their planet was killed and oh. then snapped half of them it's like, away it's like like it's like making an ice cream parlor based around the twin towers it's a little weird it is though it's a little weird yeah (laughs) Yeah, right (laughs) i mean i I laughed at the pun of infinity the plane i laughed at the pun of infinity cones but then you're right the more i think about it the more it's like you probably it's not a detractor it's not a detractor at any not at all right 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 Um, these are movies and it's not a real devastating event that occurred like yeah but it is just a little odd if you think about it i've you're seen like, how would some people feel about going to this place yeah i've, I've seen <laughs> counter arguments arguments to it too but i honestly just don't care either way yeah honestly no yeah, yeah, like, yeah i get why people are hung up on it, but like hey the infinity gauntlet like tony used one to save the universe too, it's super so like, yeah you know, exactly so it, like, it's also the thing that brought them back so that's I'm an not, excellent point I'm you not know gonna, what which you know what would have been fun would have been fun if it was if it was the Iron Man gauntlet and not I was gonna the... say it feels like it should have been the Iron Man gauntlet because then you're celebrating the yeah, one yeah. that brought everybody back Absolutely. and saved everybody instead of celebrating the one that Thanos had that killed everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I definitely agree. Like you you go you're going for the more common look as far as like what we know from the comics and everything, but like it should be the Iron Man gauntlet and that would that would make more sense. Right? I do agree with that. Yeah. Um, All of these but... should be taken in jest, because quite honestly this movie rules. It's a super colorful, funny gag i don't i don't really care if you think about it it's like wait <laughs> because you brought it up because you brought it up i want to talk about the thing that makes this movie impossible for me to hate for all the time okay for all of eternity i should say mm. oh yeah because i said in the beginning of this movie when there was like when i hear the necro sword uh used by frost find eternity erase all the gods whatever um i was like oh man if we see eternity in this movie 
I'm gonna flip because <laughs> I've wanted I've wanted how many times has Eternity been on my bingo card in the past and, four years and this one's no oh, yeah and I was just like I I don't know man so like I think when they get to the well it's like okay well that's Eternity and they're gonna wish the thing and then they and, I'm, and then Eternity 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 is in this movie visualized very well I might add I flipped I was just like. I turned yes. I turned to Ryan when they got to the location of the attorney statue and I was like, mm, I should have made a bingo card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everybody would have finally gotten one. because uh, uh, like there, there's a lot of there's a lot of statues in there. The, oh, by the way, Uatu, really cool detail that Uatu looks like the what if version. Yeah, we talked we talked a little bit about them when we saw a glimpse of them in the trailer because you got death in there. Yeah. Um The Living Tribunal. The Living Tribunal, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh. I know it's all CG, but it's still cool detail. But it's still nice. Like that's the most acknowledgement of those e- entities we've gotten in the MCU films. It's yeah. it's super. It's interesting that the the cosmic entity of eternity of eternity is it is it is much more than you get a wish, but it doesn't. Again, it doesn't bother me. Uh, eternity is like the the guy who shows up when like you're threatening reality. We can't be doing this shit. Well, and also like they they you, we just read the the Avengers Met comic where Eternity yes. gets Black Panther power. So like. It yeah. is much more than just a simple wishing well thing. So I hope this isn't the little end of eternity. But if it is, like I'm not gonna. Well, I don't, think people, it, I don't think it's it the is. people who come through the well. I don't because I don't think it's that either. Because he, they say like the the specific line is the first the mortal first to reach eternity gets a wish granted, which means yeah. nobody else after that. Yeah, this is one thing. Yeah. One person gets to come to eternity and get a wish granted. Yeah, yeah. in all of eternity, and that's it. Eternity's doing other shit the rest of the time. Everybody gets one. Uh, I really one person gets one. Person one. Gets one. <laughs> Eternity is one of my favorite is one of my favorite visual uh, uh, things to to see in comic book art uh, because like you know there's the there's the classic version of Eternity which is just like the white page and you just see the the figure with the galaxies and the stars inside of it and that's really cool but I really like it when Eternity is speaking to people within space and so you yeah. just see like a, a starscape and you just see like eyes and maybe like a, a kind of a, a shadow shape. Uh, and yeah. either one of those, I would have been really okay with, but I kind of like the 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 like the way it visualized with like uh, in the well, like in mm-hmm. like in kind of ethereal waters. Yeah, uh, oh, this yeah. this kind uh, of figure. I really there. like that too. I I like the visual setup of the location and everything. And Eternity did look great. Um, my favorite uh, moment of the Eternity visual, honestly, was when Gore's daughter is walking towards him, and you see the reflection is looks like Eternity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought that was really neat. Uh, it's yeah. a great, it's a great um, polar opposite of the beginning of the movie, Gore being in a desert, yeah, and the movie ends in water, yeah. I don't yeah. think it's just like just visually, it's really that's a it's a good that's good stuff, Tyga. I like that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. And you said you said uh, Hercules get a post credit scene for Hercules. Finally, well, let's talk about Jane Foster, like the star of the movie. Yeah. Before we move on to Hercules, he's in it for two seconds. Uh, I. Love so good. Jane Foster so much in this movie, and like I can get why people are a little ifed that this was a one and done thing. I think for the movie and for this universe, I think it worked exceptionally well. I think it works extremely well for the character of Thor and his and his journey. Um, I think if you do the mm. entire cancer story and then immediately get rid of it, it kind of removes the whole point of this movie. So like I think Jane Jane going is the best logical thing for this movie. And I think it, I think it's done exceptionally well. And I think it's beautiful. Which really, which really like my only hang up on it just comes back to, well, I just want more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I'm a, I'm a selfish baby boy. Oh yeah. And I want I never, more of my Jane Thor. Oh yeah. I never thought 
that we'd get more the, than this for Jane Foster, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Because up until this, up until this movie was out, like Natalie Portman hadn't been saying like, "Oh, I love the, I would love to come back. I want to come back." Like you know, now she's saying she would, she would like to come back if the story was there. But prior to this, I was still operating on the assumption of like, this would feel like Taika was like, "I want to do this one story with you." Mm-hmm. So can you, will you come back for this one thing? Um, Taika, Taika clearly likes working with her because he wants her in Star Wars. Yeah, that was funny. Um, so. I uh, I'm sure that there's there's room, but like I really like this story. It it is just something where like if I could, I w- there, we know there was a four hour cut of this movie originally, and I don't need a four hour cut, but I wouldn't mind an extra half hour that put back in some of the Jane and Thor stuff or put in back in some of the gore stuff. That's all stuff I really want to see. The only things we know for sure we've seen that aren't in this movie are mostly clips with the Guardians that were in the trailers that didn't make it into this cut. Yeah. Um, told Ryan specifically, there's one I keep thinking about is the uh, the one where the Guardians are rushing forward in battle and Thor is like solemnly turning away from it um, oh, yeah. in his armor. Uh, I'm just so curious what that scene was about. But like, I don't need more of them as much as I want more of Jane and Thor and I want more of Gore. And But I'm still totally satisfied with what I got in this movie. I just want more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a few notes about 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 Mighty Thor, about Jane. Um, I think that the her adaptation, like this is mostly an adaptation, like as far as she is concerned, it is her arc from the Mighty Thor comic book. Um, uh, I really like how they condensed it uh, in the sense of like um, the hammer isn't actually curing her. It's just kind of keeping her on life support. Mm-hmm. Um, because like in the comic, when she has the hammer, she has no cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, but here is like, no, the cancer is still there and it's still weakening her. She gets weak as, as Thor sometimes, you know, that's when we see her in the bathroom, which is a scene that I really like the quick transition when she drops Mjolnir mm-hmm. and she becomes like cancer Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then she, we see her kind of like very weak and kind of like looking in the mirror and then she summons the hammer again and the quick transformation to mighty Thor. I think that's all really mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah. Uh, even the end of like of like Thor saying like, "Don't do this. The hammer's killing you." Don't. That's a that's a, that's another relationship that I will say like I I think maybe even more crucially than the other stuff I was saying I wanted more of in this movie is Valkyrie and Jane. Oh sure, there's, there's clearly like some bond there, and I wish we got a little bit more time with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a, there uh, Jane has already been Mighty Thor for a bit. I don't know how long exactly, um, but uh, she. Valkyrie's not surprised when Jane shows up at the battle with Gore. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. She's the uh, she's been doing something for a bit there. Yeah. And uh, she also knows about the cancer. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I think I, this this was something I I talked to. I don't know if it was you or Megan, but like I, I talked about like one thing I do feel like this film didn't quite fully get to deliver the, on the promise of was um, they, they talked about, you know, with Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie, that she was going to be a King seeking a queen mm-hmm. uh, was something they wanted to do. And that, that did not make it into this version of the film. I think there's still like very, very much more obvious indications of her bisexuality uh, present yeah. in yeah. this film than there were in Ragnarok. But like, I, it feels like that's one of the other things that feels like got cut out is that for a time she was, she was interested in Jane. So, uh, we, there is behind the scenes shots of, of Natalie Portman powering up 
at the side of Mjolnir that was cut. And I think that's actually stronger because it would reveal that she becomes Thor then instead of when yeah, yeah. Thor meets her, which yeah. I think is better for the story. I agree. So I agree. I So I like that cut, but there was an entire section of her being Mighty Thor in Asgard at the beginning. <laughs> Where, and then she meets she meets Valkyrie, so yeah, all that stuff they could cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I like the. I I really do like uh, how they how they include Jane's story. I did have something else I wanted to, I wanted to add to that, but that's fine. Uh, it's gone. Um, um I, I love that we get uh, Darcy back yeah. and Selvig back yeah. for small uh, yes. appearances. Really, yeah. really nice. Yeah, it kind of brings it all back full circle. Also, Daryl. Daryl from the the shorts that yes. were in Ragnarok. He shows up in this. He's when he's a tour guide. He's a tour that, guide. He's at, a tour at guide. The, yep. At the hammer. Yep. Yep. That's great. I didn't catch yeah, that. I caught that. I caught that at the second watch too. No, I was gonna say aside from Chris Hemsworth's Thor, um, Jane Foster is my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love how she is. She's just she's still fighting, and she and also one of the scenes I actually kind of like. I don't know why. But you see Thor and Jane eventually drift apart during like the Age of Ultron, after, like after Avenger or after Thor: The Dark World, pre-Age of Ultron, when they're like they're in their relationship, they're like super happy, and then they just slowly but surely just start drifting apart. Because it's a well shot scene. That's why we like it. Yeah. Man. <laughs> also, I, I just I really like that scene. But every time when I love the complete 180 goes from Jane when she's reading with cancer to her as mighty thor i just yeah. love how the the way the makeup is like the so the sullen eyes the her hair is like i mean her hair is like you know darker and she's like very sickly but then she picks up the hammer it her hair is a little brighter it's it's blonder a little bit and she's like let's go ready to fight jostle gained six um, inches from she's not six foot tall <laughs> i really love natalie portman in this hmm. um and one of the things I really adore about it is that uh, Taika knew to bring back Jane is very easily, especially if you haven't watched the movies and the original Thor films in a while or the what if episode, I think did this very well. It's easy to forget that she wasn't just the girl in the movie. They actually made her a huge dork. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just a massive dork and it's not as clear in dark world, but it's definitely there in Thor. Yeah. And it comes back here where she's got like, things in the montage show how dorky she is um that she's she's just very kooky she she's very silly she likes weird little uh things and the fact that that energy was recaptured not just in like the thor and jane montage of how they were before the the dumping um but also in like bits where she's like i know everybody thinks that i'm like this cool astrophysicist who's got everything figured out it's like jane you're such a huge dork yeah yeah And when she when she uh, talks about like at the at the hospital, it's like I wrote that. Yeah, they need, they need yeah. a three D oh, yeah. model. And this... I'm so uh, glad because like she really she really excels in the films when she's allowed to be a dork. Yeah, I agree. Um, that guy's think... like, you you ruined your own book. Yeah, yeah, but now you understand. Yeah, I said Rosenbridge. Uh omnipotent city. Uh, that is something from the Jason Aaron run, although the Godhead is something that has existed mm-hmm. in Marvel for a while. They just did something different with it. Um, it was very cool to see um, the Dumpling God or whatever. Bow. 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 God of Dumpling. God of Dumpling. Love it. Love it. Uh, I think the Cronin God looks really cool, too. He's on a throne of scissors. Oh, my God. The, uh-huh. the, the scissors joke is... That is so good. He's on a throne of scissors because Rock beats his. I, it's, it's so good. I love it. It's dumb. 
There's so many good. That's stuff. why. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god man, I'm it. so happy I'm here for this. God damn it. God damn. Because we're because Fanny, Fanny and I were on the car ride home after the movie last night. And we were talking about how that was a cool sit- throne, but we couldn't figure out why it was made of scissors. Fuck, god damn it. Uh, you see, you see, um, you see a Mayan god and Aztec god. You see Bast, even though. Uh, not as forefront as I assumed, yeah, given yeah. like the marketing of it all. I'll be like, yeah, like uh, so many different gods. You got like a, like a cool samurai looking god, like a dragon, really a nice, dragon, a couple yeah. dragons actually. What's really nice is how vibrant this movie is, especially in Omnipotent City. Like the Omnipotent City scene is one of the most. I won't say it's one of the most colorful, but it's but vibrant. Vibrant's a good word. Vibrant's a great word for this. One of the most vibrant scenes in the MCU. Is omnipotent city. Every it's it's constantly it constantly looks like a busy location with thousands of people. What if the prequel Senate scenes look great? Pretty much, uh, and the gods, the god, the god seats were filled. Like there is not there there are few empty seats. Raw, um, Raw was there. Raw was there. And so there's there's tons of there's tons of gods there, and they're all unique and different. And they all have different dress and. Some of them are bigger, and some of them are not. The, celest- the celestials have to sneak in. Yeah. The celestial, <laughs> the celestials. Can I get uh, a seat? It, it, um, it, great. Yes, I I agree with it completely. Like one of the reasons this film succeeds is because of it, it, it. I think it is arguably the most, if not one of the most vibrant of the MCU. Maybe only in competition, honestly, with Guardians Two, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of that. Uh, is true throughout the entire film even when they go to the shadow realm that is still a a choice of how vibrancy is going to work in the film and the way that they do the shadows the way they do the black and white the way they do where color does get to shine through thanks to the weapons uh the same way he shot the valkyrie flashback the very short valkyrie flashback was how he shot the shadow realms fight sequence that's cool so a lot of the same colors are like really uh really shining yeah like black and white yeah Really yeah, good. that, like, that really Shadow good. Realm scene is quite mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And I and I know Sparks was there with me. Like we assumed that was the final act. Mm-hmm. So when we got there, I'm like, oh, is this movie already over? Is this movie this short? What? And, and I like, was and I was like, no, nah, it definitely isn't. Like this is this is not the third act, maybe. There's more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, real quick, back to Omnipotent City. Um, Russell Crowe is Zeus. What a delight. What a little, <laughs> what a jerk off. Just perfect Zeus. Uh, this is oh, uh, multiple superhero orgies happening on Fake Nerds Watch because we got Hero Gasm and now we got Omnipotent Cities. You are not invited to the orgy. I I, can't, I, I honestly can't imagine I I've heard the word orgy in an MCU movie. Not, yep. And you hear it multiple times in this one, baby. Yep, you I, hear it multiple times. And it I do really like though. the I do really like the 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 uh, the the who else is in disguise? I flick you too. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're here. <laughs> So um, I actually, I, yeah, Russell Crowe, like, you know, like when, when he's at Zeus, he puts on this big air, but then when he gets super close to Thor, he's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. He, I am afraid, I'm scared, but we're safe here, so we're just gonna stay and we're not gonna do anything about it. Bad gods, that's why all gods need to suffer. I get it, Gore. I'm actually uh, also kind of glad that using the the thunderbolt didn't kill Zeus because I was like, wow, that's. I thought the Necrosaur was the only thing that could kill gods, and, and I, of course, I am too. <laughs> And then they're like saying, it's like, hey, you killed Zeus. I'm like, hold the fudge up. What? And then later you see him. They're like helping his wound. And he's like, well, okay, cool. He's not dead. I, I also agree. I'm glad that that he didn't die. And like, that was, that was the whole thing. Because what's the point again? <laughs> but, but again, Ben, 
gods can be killed without the necrosword. It's definitely happened, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you just have to... Frigga, Frigga st got stabbed right here. That's yep. what she did. Heimdall also... got stabbed right here. Heimdall got stabbed right here. Right here. <laughs> Loki got choked out. <laughs> Fendral and Volsag both got stabbed somewhere around here. Uh, Odin just kind of whisked away. Yeah. I, I will it. say, um, again, like, it doesn't... I think this movie is pretty simple and not in a bad way. Like, I enjoyed everything about it. Like, the Thunderbolt being like, we need to get the Thunderbolt. That is the weapon we're going to use. They don't really tell you why. It's kind of like, we just need That's to get fair. a strong, powerful weapon. Well, um, well Valkyrie, Valkyrie just says, like, okay, we're, we need clearly, something we're clearly not going to get an army, so they're not going to help us. But that Thunderbolt, that might help us. Because Valkyrie doesn't have a... Uh, a comparable weapon to fight the necro sword with that's true and so valkyrie takes thunderbolt i just so i would have liked a little more of like wow only zeus's weapon can be this powerful to combat the necro sword something instead of just like we got to get the thing sure and but like again it's not a big deal i can't wait for the controversy that this is going to stir up i think korg should have died i don't mind it i'm not i i I saw the trajectory of like that would have been a good emotional like it's been pretty funny and then like something bad happens. Um, uh, I I'm I wouldn't have minded it, but like I'm glad he's alive too. You know, I I I just feel this is the again this is where the the Taika Waititi works ninety seven percent of the time for me. Like this was an emotional moment, and and I had the same issue with Thor Ragnarok when Asgard has exploded and Korra just goes, well no the, the, the foundation's gone. Yeah, yeah. Like I wish we we had sat in the Asgard explosion moment. I still have that kind of issue, but like it it it's immediately undercut by a comedic moment, and and I just feel like I, I would have preferred because I don't think Korg really adds anything to the rest of the movie outside of just Taika Waititi being able to be in the movie a bit more. Um, well, he, he sings his love song. He's he does connect with Valkyrie about like again, this is where you get some of the Valkyrie exploration in the film, which is her talking about like what she's lost and, and the two dads and how she feels. And, and that's also Korg talking about like how they make babies and you need them doing that uh, a to explore Valkyrie more, but B also so that Jane and Thor can uh, have their conversation where Thor learns she has cancer. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like I said, I love this movie. Um, that was just kind of the emotional moment where I just kind of wish we had kept because like, it would have been, it would have been sad. It would have, I would have, it, it would have been Do... a good emotional punch. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think that I'm cool with Korg not dying because Thor already loses Jane at the end of the film. And like that's Thor fair. loses people all the goddamn time, and I didn't need him to lose Korg too. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Um Yeah. I'm I mean, I was kind of shocked that I thought Korg was dead. And then when he's just a head or a face for the rest of the movie, I I still I enjoyed it. I like him tied on the back of her head. No, oh, he had a mustache. Uh, I like him being carried by the goats. That yes, was fun. I thought that was good too. And he, when he finally whistles them to get the right note to bring him back, to bring him to him, that was really cool. I really like those goats, guys. What I will say, what I will say, and I thought this the first time, and I definitely thought it more the second time, is that I wish Korg was not the person doing the sum up uh, story. Let me tell you the story of the legendary um, space Viking, the mighty Thor at the very end of the film. I wish that wasn't Korg. I wish instead it was Axel uh, Heimdallson. Mm. And the reason I wish that is because Axel is established to be a fan of Guns N' Roses. And if you recontextualize the film as his version of telling this story, the Guns N' Roses needle drops make more sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting, yeah. That's a good point. Which... And I will say, like, I like the Guns N' Roses needle drops. None of them particularly bother me. A few of them, I'm like, this could have been more 
interwoven because they're all Guns N' Roses songs, all of them. Except the very end, that's Rainbow in the Dark by Dio, but that's not that. That's not here or there. But I are you talking uh, about? Are you talking about the the, the credits? It's the credits. Yeah, not that. I'm talking before the the narrative yeah, yeah. story has ended. You're right. You're right. Right. Um, but it's like I, I'm about to drop some knowledge. No, no, sorry. I apologize. That came off really pretentious. Um, I love the Guns N' Roses needle drops. I unapologetically love it. Actually, the one of the things I love about this, but I tweeted it last night. I love the soundtrack. The the 80s metal guitar riff for the uh for the marvel opening senate like you know the marvel studios logo i freaking love that it's, it's, yeah it's that theme but with a metal guitar it, that was awesome i yeah. i unapologetically love it i love like the second i heard welcome to the jungle in the opening fight scene i'm like oh i'm gonna love this movie and then when um november when they're playing the most metal part of november rain after yeah. he gives all the kids thor powers i'm like oh f yeah I do, love, yeah. I do love November Rain. That no, is, I think that November, is my favorite. I think November yeah. Rain's the best of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as mm-hmm. far as like how it's interwoven, and Welcome to the Jungle is pretty well done. It's really um, Sweet Child of Mine is good. The the music for the entrance of the goats into Omnipotency, but um, I feel like we cut from it jarringly and too quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not as narratively uh, uh, cohesive with it. Yeah. Um, I I remember though when we were talking about the trailers, and I asked, "Do we you think?" Did. Do we yeah. think Sweet Child of Mine means anything to this movie? Do you think children are involved in any way? And I like, this is not me predicting anything, but like, oh, there was something there. It is about him having a kid. I'm like, oh, look at and that. also just about children. Just about children. Man, Thor uh, kids rule. I, what a fun, like, like, like kids' afternoon ending to this movie. That was uh, all the kids get powers. I thought that was great. That was one of my favorite things because you took the children hostages and then made them more than just like, like it would have been easy to just like we get to them and then they're gone and then we do the deal with the villain, but like they actually made it matter. Um, I little sorry. Go ahead if you want to talk about the children because I want to revert back to the score. Yeah, yeah, it's about the children. It's um like when uh, the girl with a teddy bear, like when they're all presenting their arms, they're presenting the things and she brings her little teddy stuffed rabbit and she's using it to shoot lightning out of its eyes. I thought was the funniest shit. And even man. the little girl who's in the princess outfit, she has her little wad and she's like, she taps a shadow monster and splits in half. Yeah. I, I also really like how the children, uh, how, how the shadow monster, like the, the, the shadow cage, like s- disappears with the children. It's mm-hmm. a really good shot. Um, I want to real quickly talk about Giacchino's score, just briefly. Because um, I really like Giacchino's score. I like Giacchino in general. But his the score for this one is really good. I, however, do wish that he used more of the motifs from the original three films. Like, um, wasn't Ludwig Göransson who did Thor Ragnarok? I believe. I'm not sure off the top of my head. The Ragnarok. Um, some of the Ragnarok music is there, but there's nothing from Thor: or Thor of the Dark World. Right, but uh, but Thor Ragnarok does, and I wish that we had we had kept more of that because I actually think Thor: The Dark World is one of the best soundtracks in the MCU. Sure. Um, Mark Motherbog. There you go. Oh, there you go. Well, he uses various themes from Thor and Thor the Dark World, and I would have liked... I wish that that trend had continued. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I know Giacchino likes to reuse scores, so it's surprising that those that those don't really make it into the mix. Uh, Jane's Jane's metal theme is pretty 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 awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in the movie, it sounds good, but if you listen to it on its own, because like the movie can kind of like... Uh, there's so many other elements. If you listen to it on its own, it, it rocks hard. If I'm being... If I'm being slightly critical about like leaving out the thor theme a lot of the thor theme is tied to the sense of asgard 
and Asgard doesn't exist the same. So I think leaving that theme behind is not necessarily the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so, because Thor Ragnarok does recontextualize it with, you know, this is Asgard. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the Brian Tyler score for Thor The Dark World would have been cool. Because he, uh, he uses that one in Age of Ultron mm-hmm. also. Um, yeah, anyway, that's all I really wanted to say about the music. I like the music overall. I uh, I I love the way that Jane's that Jane becomes Mighty Thor, like the the love incantation of like yes. always 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 take mm-hmm. care of Jane, like in his drunken like love stupor of like I love her, I love you, Mjolnir. Make sure she's happy all the put, time. Put a put a charm on Mjolnir just like Odin did. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I thought that was a great way uh, of doing it. Honestly, I I think I might like it more than the comics itself. Actually, the way they did it. I um, I won't say that. Um, I do. I'm not as hot on the change. I think it works for the movie. Like, don't get me wrong. I think it works for the movie, and it, it, it's fine. I do prefer the uh, the hammer chose Jane. Uh, that 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 thing, you know, because like, I think that's really important to Jane's story that she, you know, she is worthy of the hammer in in, in the comic. Yeah. Uh, for the movie, so for the movie of it, making it so that. Um, because the movie is a love story, like it's a rom com essentially, mm-hmm. um, and it's a, and it's a love story, so that makes it make more sense contextually with the movie. But I won't say I like it more than the comic. Um, and I I do, I understand people who have an issue with it who like that comic. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. Um, what was I gonna say? I don't know. No, the scene where Thor and Jane are in the hospital. Or in the, in the infirmary, really. And then Thor finally straight up tells her, he's like, dude, I've loved you ever since I met you. I don't want you to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And he's, he really, I love how he really, really, truly cares about her. And just like, yo, I want, like, you keep wielding this hammer, but it's killing you quicker. I mean, yes, yeah. you feel better, but it's killing you. You're the... There's a recreation, there's a recreation of actually, there's a few recreations of scenes from the comics, which was the uh, Jane in the hospital, hospital bed with Mjolnir next to it, next to her, being like, "Hey, let's go." Um, and the 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 way Thor looks at Jane when she shows up as the mighty Thor is very similar to how it happens in the comic too, because like Thor knows, like you've just killed yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is, and that is what again, like I th- like the message in movie uh, I really like, and like Jane knows this is the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's okay with it. Like li- living, living your life to the fullest, no matter no matter the consequences, uh, is something that that Thor has not been doing. He's been he hasn't been living his life. He's been pushing everything away so nothing of consequence mm-hmm. can happen to him. Uh, and Jane's like, sorry, but I'm making you face this directly. I am dying in front of you. And you have to live with that decision that I made. Uh, that is so so important to to Thor's character. Uh, and and it's so it's so well acted, especially that final scene in Eternity. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, between both Gore and the daughter and Thor and Jane, like yeah, I think Thor it's just Jane, so beautifully shot. That's short. That Thor and Jane, well, the Jane death scene is one of my favorites. I really like how they contextualize that and the way that they bring like it's the final fight doesn't end with a with a with anyone winning. Yeah, right. It, it's like he Thor's just like you won. Now I'm gonna spend the rest of my the rest of whatever as whatever time I have left before you make that wish I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna spend it with Jane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why would I spend my last moments with you when I can be with her? Yeah. Which yeah, is the yeah. thing that like opens opens Gore up, and I think that that works. Mm-hmm. Like some people they felt it was too fast, um, but like 
him coming away from the Necrosword infection and then seeing Thor choose Jane and choose love, which which he was using choosing love against, against Thor earlier in the film. Yeah. yeah. And now it's him doing it and he realizes that that is that is the path. And like and like that he has like a realization moment because again, like he is away from the Necrosword, which has been infecting him with this with this idea. So like all of this happening at once, he's like overwhelmed with emotion at one point. He's like, oh my God, what have I been doing? It's like, it's like a Dr. Octopus Spider-Man 2 moment of like, you're, you're like, I can't believe I've done all of this. And like, I've, I've been such an idiot. Oh my God. You're so right. My guy love is great. And he yeah. does choose to spend his final moments with his daughter. And the that's such a good moment again of like, like she, she'll, she won't have me for very long. Yeah. But she'll still have you. Yeah. That's I, like, I, that is such a great moment. I really mm-hmm. like how they recontextualize the Necrosword as an infection. Cause that's not mm-hmm. necessarily the case in the comic either. Um, yeah. The Necrosword, like, I really like how it's visualized to disappear from its previous owner to coming up a sort, sort of like Excalibur uh, into Gore's hand. I think that's all really well visualized. I also um, like the the shadows that work with it. Like well, before, it before, and... before, before that though, because I, I also like that, but I wanted to say that like the, 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 the kind of simplification of the Necro sword works really well for this film um, to kind of like see in his like def- deformation if to into it almost you know, not really the not really the version of him in the comics but like he is becoming more less and less human as the necro sword infects him i think is all really well visualized but yeah yes, it, ben as you were saying i like the i like the shadow monsters also i i will say uh the shadow monsters are cool there is a lot of like dark knights fighting dark monsters and i'm not going to say it always looks incredible like the first, the first Thor Jane meetup in the in the village at night. I'm not gonna say that looks great all the time. Some of the mm-hmm. monsters are just like, "Wow, you're definitely shadows on shadows," which is which again, like, uh, it could be way worse. Um, uh, but like, it, it doesn't always look great. I still think like, this is this is a very vibrant movie. I think Ragnarok looks better than this movie does. I think there's mm-hmm. more volume happening, more last minute special effects happening in this movie where. Uh, it, it is more colorful for sure, but like I don't think it looks as good as a Ragnarok does. Sparks, were you gonna say something? Um, I was gonna say that I thought a shadow creature looked particularly well when Mjolnir comes bursting through it from the backside to come to Thor, which I thought was a good bit. Yeah, which was yeah. also gonna lead into me talking about the uh, giving the weapons personality. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, <laughs> just I, really good, really good comedic beats with that. That's one of my that's one of my favorite things that he brought in from the comics. We talked about like. Mjolnir doesn't work the same way in the comics as it does in the MCU. Um, the fact that Jane gets a look, like it's a gets a physical transformation, is different than what happened with Captain America when he wielded the hammer. Yeah. Um, and he and so like, but Captain America still could still with like the, like the thunder and whatnot. So like, um, and we so we talked about like the differences there. And one of the biggest differences is that in the comics, Mjolnir is alive. Like Mjolnir has the, has a has something inside of her that makes her alive, and it's really great that they brought that back to this uh, to to the back into the MCU that Mjolnir is actually a living thing. And and Stormbreaker is is a, is like a jealous boyfriend. <laughs> I love that. I love the my favorite my favorite thing, which I think is actually a practical effect, which I I love because it would be so simple to do. All you have to do is like stand behind the camera. Um, but like is when is when uh, Thor is talking to Mjolnir and like he tr- he like makes sure oh. he can still lift it. Mm-hmm. um he's he can still lift it and then he uh um and then and then jane walks away with it and then stormbreaker just like slowly <laughs> into frame <laughs> it's like no it's no that, i was just it's that shot and the one where they're in like the uh the room 
where they're trying to calm down the parents and he's trying to call Mjolnir and then Thornbreaker <laughs> comes around from behind him and he's like, hey, buddy! There you I are! Was just calling you! Yeah, that was pretty good, too. Um, I, I like the I like the, that Thor keeps having to be like, I am worthy, right? Yes, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just cool. checking, just checking. Oh. I'm just checking, I'm just checking. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of really good stuff with the yeah. hammers. He, he's like, you want your first beer, buddy? Here you go. Oh my god, he just pours it on it. Yeah, pours yeah. It on and then, it. of course, like the, the colors get a little brighter um, on the Rainbow Bridge or the, the, the Bifrost. That is, such, that is such a cool effect, riding along the Rainbow Bridge. That is. Um, a, a costume design, I love Thor's armor in this movie. Um, Especially when he takes off the, ha- the helmet. I don't yeah. like the helmet. Yeah. I thought I like the helmet it. was a little too over the top, but the, like the, the, his regular breastplate that he wears throughout through, I want to say ninety percent of the film, I I really like. I like the color schemes of it. Uh, of course, Jane looks amazing in her armor. Um, yeah, she does. Pretty much, that's all I really got. I love this movie. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really glad we got the Jane and Thor montage. I think it does a lot to help. Oh yeah, uh, help make all of it work together. Because um, I, I, and it's both, it's good because it's both comical and touching. Yeah, I think you also, you need that because uh, they, like, they have chemistry in, in that first movie, and I guess that second movie. Uh, but, like, I would, I need, I would need more to make them be like, oh, she's the one that got away. So, like, having that. That means escape. Yes, <laughs> that means escape. Uh, having that, having that montage of it being, like, over a period of who knows how long and seeing all that, like, seeing the beginning to the end, like, was really helpful. To make me believe in that one. Sure. I really like the um, parallel shots of the, the pinky holding from the montage and then in, in yeah. the going into the Shadow Realm. Yeah. Hot Dog Thor. Job with Hot that. Dog Thor. Hot Dog I really Thor. liked all the the uh, vines when they're in the when they're in Gore's tent. Yeah. How that how that's visualized and how that comes together. I think that's all really good. Man, I was expecting another Stranger Things where they disappear for 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they disappear and then whoop, we're back. Hey, what's up? Um, oh, what was I gonna say? I got something. If you want to, if you want to quickly no, no. I was just gonna. I think I was just gonna mention how in the the montage scene, like when they're watching a movie, a scary movie, Jane screams. Thor grabs Mjolnir. Is like, hmm. Uh, the Mjolnir pieces that Jane can like throw the pieces is such a cool idea. That is. Um, I am in love with that. Just the, just that idea of just all those pieces go flying out. I agree, one hundred percent. The play. We didn't talk the about the play. play. The play, yeah. That is in my. I was gonna bring that up next. The. Uh, I'm so glad they brought that back. I completely forgot we talked about Melissa McCarthy playing Ella. That's right. Until it happened, and I was like, "Oh yeah, oh right." Um, Matt Damon, him. Matt Damon, and Luke Hemsworth are actually as guardians as revealed in this movie. They are uh, not just Matt Damon and Luke Hemsworth. That's I the play is funny. I like it even after where they're trying to capitalize on a disaster. On the tragedy. On the tragedy yeah. like, do you think they need it now? I didn't hear a no, neither did I. Okay, we as God later night. <laughs> uh just like the worst, the worst type of capitalist, uh uh theater capitalist. Uh yeah. So glad they're showing up in old spice commercials now as well. Uh I saw mm-hmm. Luke Hemsworth ask Thor is like yes. it's me, the real Thor doing yes. old spice. Yes. I'm like That's God. right. I was wondering yeah. why I was like, why is this guy who who is this guy? Because I've seen yeah, those yeah. commercials online. Sam Neill's Sam Neill's death as Odin. Just the oh, there I go into god dust. It's, and then he <laughs> crawls off stage. Um, yeah, the uh, mm, that oh Jane 
Jane's death it reminded me, I really like how uh, now we know that's not just how gods die, that's how gods go to Valhalla because Jane turns into god dust. That's uh, that that does appear actually to just be how gods die, though, because we see um the big the big, the big one the big monster the big one is uh doing that. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. When he gets you're right. to it and Fifth is there. Oh, you're right. And the other and the other god dies like that too. So Jane's a god. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I take that back. Jane is uh, J- as far as as far as Valhalla is concerned, Jane is a god. Uh, Jamie Alexander's Lady Sif appearance is fun. I'm glad that she came back for it. They make the joke about her arm probably being in Valhalla. And Ryan and I were both very confident that her arm was going to show up in that Valhalla. <laughs> that would be um, good. It would turn a, a, a great credit scene to a better one. I, I, there's no way Taika Waititi didn't think of it and just probably thought it didn't work. Yeah. I, I really liked seeing Valhalla in the last, in the last thing. Uh, mythologically speaking, it makes more sense that Odin would greet her, but you can't get Anthony Hopkins back for this. So I really liked that it was Heimdall. I, I think even even just the context of the film, it works better that it's Heimdall because she had a more friendly relationship with Heimdall in Dark World and mm-hmm. you had the his son's presence. I just like getting Idris Elba back. I thought that was nice. Yeah, yeah I was happy they did it. I was really happy to see this and it's, back. And it's nice because... Uh, it's not exactly how it works in the comics, but like if there was a... If, if Natalie Portman did want to come back and they wanted to bring her back, there is a way they can make her the new Valkyrie. Yeah. So like I... I it is incredibly nice that she could have just stayed dead, you know, like this, like not in Valhalla, mm-hmm. but like the, the avenue is there for potential. And it's, right. and it's nice that because like, you know, that's also from the comics, like she belongs there. She died a warrior. She belongs in mm-hmm. Valhalla because that, that the her eternal peace and um, the Viking and the Viking afterlife um, her, because her she died as a warrior. Reward. Her yeah. eternal reward where you get I, Gore and Gore's like, where's my eternal reward? And the, and his God is like, there is none, bitch. There. Uh, was a, a mention in Omnipotent City of the God of uh, of Carpentry. I'm just assuming Jesus Christ was hanging out there mm-hmm. in some wine. Just assuming. I have to assume it. I you, you brought up Sif Sparks, and I wanted to get my my thought about about Hall before I brought up Sif. But like, I don't. I'm glad she came back. I guess probably my own expectations was hoping for more. Um, I, I she she does disappear very quickly into the movie and only shows up again at the end. Um, I, w- I would have liked to have seen more because like you know I always la- I still lament that we didn't get more with the Warriors 3 before they were killed the, w- the way they were in Ragnarok yeah so sure. like and I and I think that's fair and like I, I hear you I feel like there probably was some more of her that got cut yeah and honestly like in in relation to the other things that I feel like got cut that I would have rather seen uh, that's like probably makes sense probably wasn't really adding much to the movie as it was Sure. I uh, I desperately have to use the bathroom, so I'm gonna say this real quick and then I'm just gonna run real quick. Um uh Hercules showing up, cool, love love Hercules, uh looks looks the part. Uh you have read the Guardians run where all the, the, the Greek gods come back and they become evil. So there is a cool trajectory of of Thor, the Norse gods versus the Greek gods. Like that could be a cool next movie. I doubt that's what the next movie is, but like setting that stuff up. Uh, I think he's really fun. I love gods v gods. I love big buff Hercules showing up. Big buff vibe. I love it. Well, I also uh, like uh, the context of what he's doing that through is where Zeus is saying like, we used to be respected. Now we're a joke because they idolize the superheroes, the superheroes that have taken our spot in the limelight, which I thought was a nice like mythology commentary thing that they were able to do. And, yeah. and Thor being at the forefront of it. Um, yeah. I really like the the inclusion of Hercules 
Um, oh, the, the, the best part about this movie, not the best part, that was a stupid joke, but uh, the fact that at the end of it says, says Thor will return, because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of talk about, like, Chris Evans was like, you know, if their script is right, it might not come back, but, um, you know, and he's like, you know, I, I want to leave what while it, what when they're going to miss me, not when they want me to leave, um, yeah. and rightfully so, but, like, I, I would happily see another Thor movie with oh, or without yeah. Hercules. Yeah, uh, I was surprised they did that, because... Um... I just I don't think anything in the new phase has right. We haven't gotten the will returns. Uh, Ten rings, ten rings will return. Was at the end of Shang Chi. Ah, uh, yeah. Did was it? What was the end of the Eternals? Nothing. Uh, I don't remember. I mean, we... <laughs> Ben's gonna look it up. Uh, no. I gotta drink something. Somebody say something. No, I just I really really I just again like I I go entirely all back to. I just wanted more of these things. I just wanted more time with these things. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed what I was given though. Like all of it really worked for me. I thought the main part of the story was, was correct. Uh, You know, you did, you did all the things you had to do and you did them well. And like, yeah, I could have had room for like more to be expanded on, but it, I just had such a good time. I had a good time both times. I really like it. Like it so much. Taika Waititi doesn't often say things I disagree with. He did say something I disagree with, and he says he hates director's cuts. He thinks directors need to be edited for a reason. So we're, he said there's no director's cut for this movie coming out, which bums me out hardcore. Yeah. Um, I think director's cuts are important because sometimes studios don't know the difference between art and and just cash grab money stuff. Uh, the, the MCU, it would be weird if the MCU came out with a director's cut at this point because they never have. It's already strange that Spider-Man No Way Home is doing it. Or an extended cut, whatever. That's probably not a director's cut. Yeah, this is just the first MCU movie where I feel like I really want it. it, it yeah, it I, think I get that. I would, I would be very happy if they finally put some decent deleted scenes in their movies uh, on their Blu-rays, because I would happily see a lot of these uh, that way too. Because this is this is one of the first cases where we know a lot of stuff got cut. Like there is so much. There's like there's an entire other movies where this is there's a Snyder cut's worth of movie that got cut out. Um, and maybe all of it didn't need to be there, but I'm sure some of it would have would have boosted some of the things. I'm like, I'm that just, we already loved. There is an entire subplot with Lena Headey where she got paid so she got paid a million and a half bucks, and we're just never gonna see what that was about. And I'm just like, I would love to see what that's about, just a little yeah. bit. I I want the scenes. I hope they I hope yeah. they actually do that. Uh, we haven't we really touched on uh, uh, Thor's a dad now. Love at the end. Yeah. Oh, the love and thunder the reveal. Love and thunder. Oh, that's such a good reveal. I love it. That was cute. Uh, uh, I love that. I love. I love the direction that scene went. That mm-hmm. that uh, that Thor now has Mjolnir again. Although, yeah, I like it. Like it's a little. Like I was a little. I was a little weird. I was. It was a little weird when like it, it's very much implied that the hammer is like destroyed permanently because the necrosword pieces that it absorbed. Oh, for sure. Uh, and then, like at the end, the hammer's just fine. I'm like, I'm rolling with it. Like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I do like the, I do like the, 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 the whole like father son, father daughter banter between the two. Like, oh, they're 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 pancakes. You like pancakes? I don't like pancakes. I've never had pancakes before. Um, pan flaps, flaps, pan flaps, right? Uh, she, I think she, it's... she's like laser eyes, and she's like, and he's like, this was a new pot. It's it's fun that this is like a not just a brand new character that the MCU can, can like have fun with in the future, but like this is such an easy way to keep Chris Hemsworth in the MCU. Cause he gets to hang out with his daughter. Most right. of the time. Which is one of the things he's been saying, like when he has considered stepping away from acting is to spend more time with his family. Uh, 
all of all of the actors' kids showed up in this movie. Natalie Portman's kids showed up in this movie. Taika Waititi's kids, Chris, uh, uh, Christian Bale's, like they've all they all have small parts in this movie, uh, so it's really cool. Do you know Chris Hemsworth's wife was in this too? Yeah, she's the wolf lady. She's the wolf lady on the back of the female wolf. Really? Yes. At the very beginning, he makes out the lady on the back of a wolf. That's oh awesome. yeah. That's Chris Hemsworth's wife. Uh yeah, because like um they filmed in Australia, so like Natalie Portman and like they she brought her kids to Australia and like their kids went to school together, so like. Like family was a big part of like making this movie too, and I'm like, that's that is really cool that you can do that. I think both of doesn't doesn't uh, uh what's his name Chris Hemsworth have uh two oh Daryl the tour guide uh, yeah two his, kids his his son was the little tiny Thor running in the montage at the beginning yeah that's right that's right oh. that's what I remember oh that's cool they all the kids all the kids get a college fund uh yeah oh yeah Tristan Hemsworth um. Yeah, I'm trying to find the the the, the actor who played Love, like the the full name. Her name's India Rose. India Rose. India Rose Hemsworth. Uh, yeah, very cool. I I think that he was in this. Sorry, um, I think that this uh, it's a great movie. Do we want to rate it? I think we're done. Yeah, I will give it. More? I will give it a solid eight. It's not a bad score. I think it's a good movie. Um. If it was, if it fleshed out a lot of the stuff I really loved, I'd probably give it a higher score. Uh, but I don't think eight's anything to to, to to knock home about, run home about. Not at all. Uh, Sparks or Ben? Uh, I will give it a nine, just because I want more of it. I practically would give it a ten, though. Let's be honest; it's in my top five of the MCU. Wow, top five, interesting. Nice, uh, nice. Ben, I I was hovering around eight, but then the more we talked about it, it jumped up. So I'll say I'll say eight point five. I have I still I still love this movie. I think I like Ragnarok just a little bit more, but on a whole, absolutely love what this movie's going for. I love the score. I love the music. Um, even the end credits, the end credits roll where it's all different metal or uh, like band logos just redone. Mm. So it's the characters' names or the people who worked on this movie. Um, it's a little stuff like that. I thoroughly enjoyed. I had a blast. I'm if I see this movie again, I'm probably gonna jump up my score. But as of right now, it's an eight point five. Love it. Uh, this isn't my top five MCU. Um, I think I would probably put it under Ragnarok personally, but like it's hovering around an eight point five or a nine. I I I uh, I don't think I can pick. You know what? I'll I'll round up. It's a nine. I'm gonna go up. It's a nine point five. Oh, I'll go up to go down. It's a seven. It's only it's only <laughs> criticism is 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 absence of more things. Yeah. Uh, shall we book club then? Yeah, put it. I said pudding because it's Harley Quinn. All right, Sparks. Pudding. Hey. We're talking about. We're talking about Harley Quinn the animated series. Eat, bang, kill tour, journey to love. It's the the comic it takes place between season two and three. If you haven't watched the Harley Quinn show, you're probably not going to want to hear some of the things that we have to say. So like, so it is the comic. <laughs> spoilers for the Harley Quinn show. I gotta, I'll be right back. I gotta go use the restroom. Okay, um, but yeah, spoilers for the Harley Quinn show because this uh, this would ruin the end of season two. So we're going to be talking about some stuff. So. Uh, know that going in. This is written by T. Franklin. The whole thing's written by T. Franklin with art by Max Saren on most of the issues uh, and then Eric Owen on uh, a couple of pages here and there. 
Um, I really, really like it. This is all about picking up right where season two left off and following Harley and Ivy as they are leaving Ivy's failed wedding with Kite Man and Gordon is on their ass Hell and yeah. chasing them. And uh, Harley just wants to give Ivy a perfect trip uh, to take her mind off of it. And I thought this was super charming and super in tone of the show and I really enjoyed it. I think the art's fantastic. Uh, what did you guys think? It felt like I was reading a Harley Quinn movie, if that makes any sense. Like a Harley Quinn animated show movie or movie. multi-episode special. Because mm-hmm. there, I felt like there was an, an entire three-act structure to this. Like everything that happened, I felt happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I I really enjoyed this. This definitely got me Jones in for more Harley Quinn. I mean, we know Harley Quinn season three is coming. Um, I'm glad this is here and I am really looking forward to that third season all the more now. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Uh, the thing going into this was, will this retain, will this have the voices from the show? Uh, and thankfully it does. Uh, when I was reading this, I was like, all right, this sounds like the Harley from the show. This sounds like the Ivy from the show. This feels like the dumb, the dumb, silly Gordon from the show. Um, I think the comedy mostly, mostly really works. I love the art as well. I think the art is extremely expressive and like a good reflection of what the show looks like too, but in comic form. Uh, yeah, I had a really good time. Uh, um, I don't remember. Is Livewire, has she been in the show yet or is this just for the comic? We did see Livewire. We did see Livewire. Okay. I just don't remember. Uh, seeing all the other bad characters show up. Like, you know, I love, I'm a big fan of Catwoman. Like I love this version of Catwoman. Um, it's so funny. I, when, when they said we're going to Selena's for some reason in my mind, I said Salinas, which is the city, which is a city up here. So I was like, oh, yeah, they're coming to Northern California. That's so funny. And I'm like, oh, wait, Salinas. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a, a hoot and a holler. So when she answers um, the door, she's in her PJs and she's like, oh, hell no. You called her before you know you told yeah, her I was coming here, right? Just start texting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Brandon, thoughts on this? Uh, we're just kind of giving first uh, thoughts. Oh, shit. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, I really like this. Uh, I really like the Harley Quinn TV show. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it when we were, when the show was out. Just this is the energy I want from Harley Quinn, like all the time. This is mm-hmm. the kind of story I want DC to be constantly doing with Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really happy to read this because, like, even if I don't think the comic is the same type of quality as the show, I do think there's a dip in in kind of like writing quality there, but like not a significant one to impede the enjoyment. This is the kind of thing that I want from DC comics with Harley Quinn. Always. I think for the, I think for the show coming from a writer's room and this being a singular author, I think this does a pretty good job of capturing these characters. Yeah, I think um, so too. And, and this world, I think they, that they interpret them very well. We get the debut of uh, Vixen mm-hmm. in this world um, and the debut of Nightwing and his big glorious booty. <laughs> I love every joke about Nightwing's ass in this movie, in this, in this, in this book. Uh, the, the, this, this made me laugh a bunch, uh, but early on, um, Ivy, Ivy like makes a bridge for, for them to drive over. And then she retracts the bridge and Gordon starts falling and he says, all I wanted was the key to the city. And I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, that makes me laugh. That's yeah, from yeah. the show. I, I feel it. I'm feeling I'm in this comic. Uh, Gordon's, Gordon's obsession with getting Harley and Ivy is so, is so well, is so well done in this. And like everyone, like Batman and Nightwing and Batgirl, they're all just like Gordon. Stop! It's like maybe I'm not a good, maybe I'm not a good damn cop. A damn damn good cop. Yeah, Batman's like, this is not what a damn good cop does, Gordon. Like they have to keep phrasing it that way. I love Uh it. Um, I really like. I I think this is just this is good. It's good emotional beats that like I hope will carry over in the show. That you know this is something 
like if you get to the season and you're like i don't feel like ivy's dealing enough with like the kite man wedding yeah, yeah. stuff and i'm like well that's because there was a comic book that really did it mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but i like her feeling like harley's misinterpreting a lot of ivy's reactions to what's going on but it's also ivy like taking out that aggression on on harley and i really like when harley uh it can't take it anymore and and says you know like i could have stayed with the joker if i wanted to keep having a daily put down um yeah and, yeah. and like on also like one of my favorite pages because it's the one where um ivy then sinks into the tub yeah, yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. uh i just didn't expect like That's... i like the art in this i just didn't expect panels like that mm -hmm. can i just say that was really funny because of the green screen all of ivy was just gone from that screen. <laughs> um <laughs> and uh but i really like moments like that i think that they they execute them very well like what their relationship dynamic is and it is true to these characters as they were on the show I, yeah i was i was surprised um because i didn't i didn't know like how and they're horny as hell oh yeah i expected because i follow i follow the the writer on tour so i knew it was going to be a horny ass comment but i didn't realize like it would go the emotional depth that like sometimes the show does go um and like the moments between like it's mostly ivy having like the breakdowns but like her constantly being like i don't know if i'm good enough or i don't know if I, this was a good idea and like it, it, it challenges her i love i love the idea that because she went to harley's head in season two harleen is now in hers yes uh, i thought that was really great yeah 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 and that it, it confused me at first because i didn't remember and then it's like hey remember i i was in your head already i don't want to do it again like oh yeah it's all it's all happened yeah, yeah. I, uh, I really like how they visualize a lot of the earlier of the early romance of the of the two um the way harley would would just like hide in covers like all like all like i think she's i think it's a very real feeling when when like the person you love more than anything has finally admitted to loving you back mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like Har like harley is just constantly like there's all these like panels where she's just looking at at Ivy with like heart eyes and just kind of can't like so stunned and can't speak. The um, yeah, I think that's all well done. Yeah, the thing that the comics can do, I mean, animated shows like animated stuff can do it too. But like the thing that I love about comics is like when somebody's mad, they'll have like like they'll have skulls around their head, so you know like like when when Poison Ivy runs off, she's got skulls around her because like she's she's so pissed or they have the hard stuff. I love that kind of visualization that they do mm -hmm. uh, with with the hearts, with the skulls, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I really love uh, uh, moments like this one where they've got the the hand taken away and it's a heartbreaking and the way they visualize that, that, yeah. that just really works for an adaptation of that show into this comic format. I think it translates really well. Um, there's this panel, which I could not believe happened, uh, which is the one where Vixen's in the backseat with her girl. Oh yeah. And she's <laughs> activating giraffe power yeah. for that uh -huh. long tongue. <laughs> Jeez. And I was like, That's good yo, uh, there's, there's a lot of like, when I say I want this to be the direction of Harley Quinn, I don't necessarily mean that DC should always make Harley Quinn this horny, but it is quite fun that everyone in this comic is very ready to bone everyone else. Yeah, like yeah. like uh, Vixen's girlfriend is very much like, hey, when you're back, why don't you join us for a, for a night? Uh-huh. You know, she definitely wants that foursome with Ivy and, and, and Harley. Um, I, I, love, I love going to Selena's because they have to drop off Lou and Abe. Uh, but Selena's got a bunch of cats, so the cats, the, the Yanis are trying to eat the cats. Um, obviously, Ivy is going through some shit, and and Selena can recognize it, but she doesn't really care. She's like, "Honey, don't mistake this for caring. I just want the tea. I just want the drama." And uh, like, it's so juicy. The the bit where Harley's like, "So 
Batman doesn't bang bats, and then cat, and then Selena's like, not he is not really a fan of cats either. And they're yeah. like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they bring back the cop squad. I remember the uh, mm-hmm. Harley calls them the cop squad. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, uh, um, uh, Cheryl. Yeah. Damn it, Cheryl. Damn it, Cheryl. Yeah. Damn it, uh, Cheryl. When, uh, so real quickly, Princess Sparkle Bunny's in the chat, uh, <laughs> yes, which is a great time to pop in. Um, <laughs> wow, I showed up to the party at a weird time. It's yep. the end of the show, but I appreciate you being here. We're, We're talking, talking about, about a horny, a horny Harley Quinn to- a comic. Uh, there's a great little thing of, oh my god, there's a bunch of CEOs here. Should we go kill all of them? Yes. And then they do, and then one gets away, and there's like a whole subplot about that. But like the scene, the scene of uh, uh, Poison Ivy like murdering all these fools through their food is like really scary. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my god, like yeah, this show can, this comic can be, can be so many different things. Yeah, I uh, really the, like how it dives into Pamela's psyche because when you go straight from Harley Quinn season two into this comic, and then eventually into season three, she's constantly regretting everything that happened in season two like she's constantly going back to how bad she um um she treated kite man she even admits in in a monologue how she still truly loved kite man but she Mm -hmm. also truly loves harley as well well no she doesn't say truly she doesn't say truly importantly she says i did love kite man Mm -hmm. but it's not the same feeling as as, no it's not uh, with with harley it's yeah. it's much it's a much stronger love with Harley. Oh yeah, Frank Frank comes back the talking plant in, in yeah, Ivy's yeah. mind. Yeah, uh, the the villain Mephetic, who is just like he wants to be your favorite poisonous villain. Like what a dumb! I love it. He's like yeah. when he makes his appearance, he's like until next time, Detroit. Back to you, Janice. And she's like, oh, thanks, monster. Like, yeah. <laughs> very much Harley Quinn show uh humor you get to the end and it's like wait you really were just that thing because you don't wash your ass yeah he's just a smelly dude <laughs> smelly man um i really like the tawny subplot that tawny has like her kids looking out for them mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. uh and helping them out i thought that was really nice and like uh uh catching gordon in the embarrassment to get gordon off their back oh yeah, yeah. the the scene with nightwing too is like don't worry ladies i'm not actually here for you i'm here for gordon because batman yeah. cares right I'm like oh batman does care like that's yeah it's good shit i thought all that was really really nice just the the scene where he's where dick is putting up his 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 pants and it's just the two the two gluttonous cheeks oh yeah the glorious buttocks sticking oh, out yeah. tush wing yeah and i like the way that they're playing with um uh the format so like harley who would acknowledge things in the show now acknowledges in the comic like reading the comic that -hmm. you are oh yeah yeah. uh and fourth uh, wall breaking yeah yeah and and acknowledges uh you know here you gotta catch up on us why we're beating up on hush um and falcone like just offers to give them the carnival for the night thought that was really nice Uh, at at the beginning of the comic it's like hey we did this thing in the show that you haven't watched go watch it Mm -hmm. and then at the end it's like i'm not even gonna try anymore uh, you you should have watched the show by now. <laughs> doesn't, yeah. doesn't even Tawny says t- says uh, if you missed the events of this comic or if you missed the the events that uh, happened up to this, uh, uh, you can check them out on HBO Max right now. Uh, oh, and don't forget uh, to watch season three. Yeah, I thought I took a picture of that page, but I don't think I did. Because she's yeah, talking that, about that her show. Like the very last page is a is a comment on on that of. Uh, yeah, you can catch it all, all their adventures, all the Harley and Ivy adventures on HBO Max now streaming. And don't forget to check out season three of the Tawny Show. And it's like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, Cyborg, I, yeah, Cyborg like shows up for a little bit. That's fun. Uh huh. Yeah. Zatanna too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was really, good. but I like the focus on Vixen. We get a little, a little tiny moment of uh, Clayface 
and the king shark uh, mm -hmm. doing their their bit to get information by still pretending to be uh, the friend of Barb. Oh, Stephanie. Yeah, is yeah. It? yeah, yeah. I had I forgotten really about that character. So when so when she's like Steph told me, I was like, yeah. Stephanie Brown. Yeah, I also I I, I'd also totally forgotten until Stephanie showed up, and then I'm like, right, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. okay, it all came back to me. But we're besties, <laughs> right? Gosh. I, read, yeah, this... I read that in Alan Tudyk's voice because Alan took the voice of Clayface, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I heard all the show voices. Oh yeah, there. Ron punches as as the shark. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I, I also did. I, I I think the 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 comic does a really good job of of uh, catching their voices uh, yeah. quite well. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, T. Franklin, um, their next work, they're they are working on an original disabled Spider-Man character for Edge of Spider-Verse too. So like, they're doing they're doing they're doing good comics because stuff. they're yeah. they're disabled as well, right? Yes, they they're, are. They, I'm in a wheelchair. They are black. They are queer. They are disabled and they are autistic, and they write a fantastic comic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed this. I really thought this is a nice continuation bridge into season three and i'm really happy that we got to check it out before the new season's out yeah and it's not that art honestly max Aaron's art is so good like so colorful and so good at capturing these characters and their faces and their emotions from the show and translating them arguably like there are faces that they make here that feel so true to the characters from the show yeah but are honestly more exaggerated than even the show is willing to give them and and i like them there's no reason why i i should think that like they make it harley quinn comic book based on the show that it will be lesser not in terms of quality but it won't be as gross or it won't be as horny or won't dive into the sexuality but like i'm so glad like no just just continue the story exactly as mature as you want it to be uh like i didn't shy away from any of that any of that you know any of that stuff and which is which is a blessing it, it felt it felt like a true continuation of the show which is all i could ask mm -hmm. for right like to 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 kind of lessen it to kind of like you know mold it into like uh in the dc mold would be to lessen it um because it it is a it is meant to be the continuation to the show uh and therefore it must feel like it is i i i said it last week when you announced this was the book but i'll reiterate if somebody's new to this there was a great youtube video by the youtube person uh youtube youtube creator i don't know what you call them like creator uh, lady emily and it's a 30 minute look in poison ivy and harley quinn's relationship throughout the decades um and this is a great example of how you do this there was a harley ivy miniseries that's in that's quote unquote in continuity that by all accounts after watching that video is a bad version of how you do this of how you just turn them into the friend zone uh and you kind of just ignore everything that makes that's good about the characters what i the reason why i dropped the stephanie phillips harley quinn is because the the book was promised to us from dc like this is going to be the one that's going to really <clears throat> because there's the there's the prelude in the in the in last year's pride comic uh that has harley and ivy admit to being in a relationship or having or having been in a relationship and sharing a kiss and like that was a big deal and so like going into the harley quinn ongoing by stephanie phillips i thought that was going to be a big that was going to be the part the plot of that comic that it was going to be about their relationship or if not then at least be overt about it um and it and it very quickly it very quickly revealed that it was like we're not touching poison ivy in this book yeah we're There's, just not um, having poison ivy is just not going to be in this harley quinn book one of the more recent like super expensive like really good looking figures of poison ivy and harley the description is like Poison Ivy defends her friend in only the only way a best friend knows how to do, and I'm like, guys, this is come on, like they got so close. Just in one section, 
they got so close to it finally acknowledging and finally giving people what they wanted and then they pulled back and yeah. hopefully the popularity of season three because it's popular the first two seasons that got that got that initial uh that initial um push yeah and hopefully the popularity of season three finally gets dc to get kicked in the ass and finally do and something this comic this. yeah and this comic yeah yeah i thoroughly enjoy it i, I love it mm-hmm. i'm yeah. glad i'm glad you picked it i think oh. t franklin did an incredible job yeah okay so we are we have a, a slight slight thing uh because we were, we are not doing an episode next week as i mentioned up top we are doing mike's impossible movie trivia challenge instead mike's. and then after that ben is gone and ben is the next guy for the book club Bye. so expect <laughs> no book club for a bit we can take a week off. That's fine. Two weeks. Yes. We can take. Oh, I love comic books. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so uh, maybe on the episode that is just you two, you can talk we'll about comics. Special book. Well, that's also something we'll have to decide later. Is is you know, are we going to do a regular podcast episode? Or are we just going to do Comic Con? We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um. So that'll do it. Um. So 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 whenever whenever Ben's next book club is, will be announced online. But as I said. As I said, please, guys, next week, we are not doing a regular episode. We are, we are going to not be doing 292 of the podcast. Instead, we're going to be pushing that a week and making this, next week's the slot for the episode will be our good friend Mike Matola is returning. Mike's Impossible Movie Trivia Challenge. Just to reiterate, it'll be How to Train Your Dragon. So study up. Get ready to play a really fun game. Gotta watch that movie again. For for those of you who joined who joined us in between the last possible movie trivia challenge and now, uh, go back and watch them. They're all around. They're a good well, time. The audio is for three of them at least. This is another warning. You've got some more time. Watch your Evangelion. <laughs> yes, yes. You do have you do have one more week now, because three hundred will be Evangelion rebuild series. It's coming mm-hmm. up, guys. Watch Evangelion um so that'll do it guys so thank you uh stay tuned for next week very excited very excited very excited um all right like this video subscribe to this channel you can check out all sorts of other shows we got if you like this if you like this content if you like what we do here you can check out some of our other shows such as fake nerds watch which will have a new episode a final episode of the boys season three mm-hmm. uh, a, a final episode of stranger things four mm-hmm. a final episode of strange new worlds and a final episode of Miss Marvel. Woo! All Woo. coming in various times. Love Finally, it. fake nerds watch and rest. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we will have uh, uh, any. We we got plenty more episodes in the back catalog. You guys can check out. Uh, so you know, and there will be more fake nerds watch. But oh, yeah. uh, we are we are excited that these shows are finally winding down. Yes, it was just all at once. Yeah, we're ready to be out of the all at once time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can check out Basement Arcade, which are a Let's Play series, and you can check out Basement Arcade Pause Menu, which is our video game discussion series, which has new episode links below uh, mm-hmm. that is up now of you guys' uh, Q1 and Q2 uh, talking about your video games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also have Fake Drink Book Club and Animation Station, all of which you can find uh, on this channel. If you like this video, subscribe to this channel. I almost pitched this show, but this is this show. You guys are this watching the show. We are the show. Um, the show. I fell into the fi- I fell into the Fictor's watch and uh, outro. <laughs> um, you can also check out our Patreon and our T Public if you want to support us financially. Um, those are linked below, uh, as well as on our website at FictorPodcast.com, which is also linked below. But you can check out all the links uh, for everything that you've seen that I've talked about previously. Everything, it's all there. 
Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show and the rewind. We greatly appreciate all of your support. Uh, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci for all of our musical themes. You've heard them all, all the, all the ones you heard today and all the ones you hear on all of our shows. That's all Jeremy Vellucci. It's true. Um, uh, we are a one trick pony, but we love them. Nay. Um, you can find him at Jeremy Vellucci keyboards uh, on Instagram and, and you can find his podcast, Suburban Proctologist. Uh, you can find his podcast, iTunes. Or at facebook.com slash suburban proctologist official or Instagram at subproc podcast. Mike Batola. I've mentioned him a lot this episode. I'm so excited he's coming back. I don't know if you can tell, but you can find him with many collaborations. You can find his stuff at Mike Batola on Instagram and TikTok. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Victored Podcast. We do a bunch of stuff, announce some things, whatnot. On Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I think I said that already. FakeNerdGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for Screen Rant, where I've got a few Love and Thunder pieces coming up this week, as well as I write for Atomic Geekdom, which I do a revisiting the Infinity Saga. If you guys like me talking about the Infinity Saga, I do that more on AtomicGeekdom.com. New piece coming up this coming week. Um, and I edit for KaijuRamaMedia.com. Ben? You can find me furiously getting ready to... Uh getting ready to take my trip to Europe at BenMac27 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, and GoNintendo.com. Ryan? I'm just curious what furiously getting ready means. Are you like, when you're packing your bags, are you like, <sighs> zip? You can find yeah. me doing ridiculous impersonations over at DJ Tony Snark 616 Sparks? Uh, you can find me holding hands with a lovely guy named Dwayne over a lava pool for 30 days to create a new Cronin baby. At SparksWitty on Instagram, Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z-Witty. Big mustache. All right, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcasts, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. Like this video, subscribe to our channel. And until next time you see us, guys, stay fake nerds.